Hi, this is John Cryer, and I am hosting a new seven-part true crime podcast called Lawyers, Guns, and Money that'll challenge everything you think you know about U.S. covert operations and presidential misconduct. From Jack Bryan, the director of American PSYOP, comes the incredible true story of John Mattis, a newly sworn-in Miami public defender in the 1980s who has found himself completely in over his head. I step off the plane, and there is a van with a couple guys with Uzis. And one of them in broken English said, welcome to Bogota, John. Mattis's first felony defendant has been arrested for having a machine gun and tells Mattis a dangerous secret. He was shipping arms into Central America on behalf of the CIA as a first-time lawyer. I want to act like I know what I'm doing. But with the help of a Colombian drug smuggler, how much money the CIA raised by hitting up drug dealers? A lot of money, millions of dollars. An Alabama mercenary. They were prepared to die to the last man. I saw this in them. I saw the fire in their eyes. And they made me their war chief. And a newly elected senator, John Kerry. We are looking at allegations of drug running, gun smuggling, conspiracy to commit murder and murder itself. He'll fight to free his client. The judge said, Show me, in a courtroom, how we were at war. Expose an illegal war being run by the White House. I mean, I wanted him involved, but I didn't want to be on record as doing it. And somehow stay alive in the process. I just escaped a kidnapping by the CIA in Costa Rica. This is Lawyers, Guns, and Money. So you have a man in Armani suit standing in the bow of a boat with a rocket launcher and says, if I lose sight of you, I will launch. You will be vaporized. Available everywhere starting October 29th, or get it ad-free and early starting October 22nd at lawyersgunsandmoney.supercast.com. There you'll find bonus episodes along with exclusive content. Subscribe now. So to be clear, Mr. Trump has no financial relationships with any Russian oligarchs. That, that's what he said. I, I, that's what I said. That's obviously what the, the, our position is. I'm not aware of uh, any of those activities. I have been called a surrogate at a time or two in that campaign, and I didn't have not have communications with the Russians. What do I have to get involved with Putin for? I have nothing to do with Putin. I've never spoken to him. I don't know anything about him other than he will respect me. Russia, if you're listening, I hope you're able to find the 30,000 emails that are missing. So, it is political. You're a communist. No, Mr. Green. Communism is just a red herring. Like all members of the oldest profession, I'm a capitalist. Hey, welcome to Mueller She Wrote. This is AG. This is episode seven, you guys. I'm really excited. Yeah. Uh, with me, as always, is Jaleesa Johnson. Say hi, Jaleesa. Hi. We have Jordan Coburn. Hello, how's it going? And our special guest today is Jordan Parker. He's a San Diego attorney. He's got five years of litigation experience. Uh, he got his undergrad from UCLA in English Lit and uh, his JD from Tulane University. So he's he's also a stand-up comic here in San Diego, and I've had the pleasure of working with him. Ooh. So Thanks for having me. Welcome. I'm really looking forward to some of your insights because uh, particularly this week, it's just kismet that you're here with all this backlash against the investigation, understanding exactly the scope and jurisdiction of what Mueller can do and 
and just you know all those kind of legal questions that a lot of people we've been getting questions on our on our site and on Twitter right. like explain it to me because I don't understand these legal ramifications like it's just it's kind of for a lot of people for us we're like in it every day but for a lot of people this is just kind of a story that's humming along in the background since July yeah so a lot of it's <clears throat> brand new for me so yeah. I really love <laughs> I love that you're here to give us some some legal insights. Thank you. I'll do what I can. Sweet. So I'm going to start with just the facts. This week uh, was actually not too crammed with news. It's the first week I kind of feel like we can breathe a little bit Mm because I'm not trying to jam 900 things in to the podcast. (laughs) Must be something good is stewing up. Yeah. Yeah. It's the calm before the storm. Um. So we'll start uh, Sunday. Nothing really happened. Uh, Monday, uh, we learned that the Mueller investigation is looking closely at the 18 days between uh, Trump learning that Flynn lied to the FBI, or at least uh, McGahn saying that he told Trump. Right. When we presume Trump found out that that, uh, Flynn was lying to the FBI, and the 18 days later when he was fired. So uh, Mueller's really honing in on those 18 days. Mm -hmm. Like, what? Took you so long, bro. That's like, probably gonna be the movie right there. 18, <laughs> 18 days. days. Yeah. yeah. It'll be a Christmas movie. Just be like, no. <laughs> <laughs> so that's that's like from what I understand, what they were what the story they were going over Monday is that he's really interested in those eighteen days, the communications that happened. What did he know and when? Which is mm-hmm. it's really uh, you know and um, Jordan's going to talk about this uh, a little bit later. Is some of the parallels between this and Watergate. And that's kind of one of them is what is the big question was, what did Nixon know and when did he know it? And that's a lot uh, uh, that we're trying to answer with Trump because that goes towards collusion. And I wanted to talk about um, the word collusion, too, in that it was kind of clarified to me that that collusion is not a crime, but it is a colloquialism we use for conspiracy, which is a crime. So. Collusion, conspiracy can go either They're way. They're pretty close. You well, can't be charged with collusion, but right to be clear, collusion. If we're using it in the term of conspiracy, you cannot conspire to commit a legal act. You can only conspire to commit an illegal act. So yes. it's only a problem if they everything they say is true. That oh, we just talked with them, then that and we didn't do any improper exchanges. They arguably you could say, well, there's no conspiracy to commit anything because there's nothing that happened. What oh. happens here is if they're conspiring to commit campaign violence violations mm-hmm. or they are conspiring arguably to violate the Logan Act mm-hmm. to the extent that they communicated and lied about it. Or what they, call the a, what they call an in-kind campaign contribution from a foreign national, I yes. think, is also a crime. Yes, a lot of this is vague and uh, <laughs> we've been gutting our campaign finance regulations for some time. But to the extent that they claim that all of this is legal. They, they're correct in saying collusion itself isn't a crime, but you have to conspire to commit an illegal act, and that's what all of this is looking into. And if you try to obstruct the investigation, here's the thing. If they didn't commit a crime, but they obstruct the probe of it, then it doesn't matter. They have committed obstruction of justice, even if the original crime was not actually a crime at all. Yeah. Oh. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's kind of, isn't that what uh, Clinton went down for? Yes, yeah. exactly. Mm-hmm. They were... We can talk about this more later. Jobs aren't a crime. What happened was, well, I won't go into that, but essentially <laughs> they kept in, investigating, 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 and everything turned up nothing until they found he asked for approval to investigate Lewinsky. Yeah. And that's what led, and then he testified in a civil case with Paula Jones. That led to perjury. Yeah. Yep. There you go. So we're going to be talking in detail a lot more about that later, and I'm really excited. I am too. Uh, another thing Monday we learned... Um, 
Conaway says he'll continue to run the House investigation despite Nunez being cleared and Nunez saying, I never left. I've been running it the whole time. Uh, but Conaway's like, no. But what seems, it seems like it's happening is now we've just got these factions within the Intel and Justice or Judicial Committees within the Senate and the House where the majority, um, the Republicans, when they turn in requests to uh, Rod Rosenstein or, or yeah, particularly Department of Justice, their requests are prioritized over the minorities. But the minorities are like, we aren't getting any answers. Um, so they're just kind of enroading around uh, the Republicans to get to, to subpoena and get their, not subpoena, but to get letters and requests for, for documents or, you know, it's for testimony or whatever. So yeah. that's, that's happening. But yeah, Conway's like, no, I'm not. It's just this weird little king of the mountain thing where they both think they're in charge and is anyone really? So anyway, that, I think I think Rod Rosenstein is basically is how it works. It's whatever he decides to answer. Um, on Tuesday, uh, I found out, and I can't remember if this was a news story that came out or if it's just when I found it out. <laughs> I was like, this could have been something everybody knew for a while, but Trump can't pardon Manafort. Uh, I mean, he can pardon him of federal crimes, but Schneiderman and Vance, uh, New York Attorneys General, have filed charges oh, against yeah. Gates and Manafort. And you can't have parallel investigations going on, but they've backburnered these investigations in the New York uh, uh, court while Mueller's investigation is going on. And if something happens to Mueller's investigation, they'll turn the okay. investigation back on uh, and file the charges or continue pursuing the charges uh, with the New York that's Attorney General. That's pretty dope. Yeah, that's nice. Yeah. Uh, Rod Rosenstein, uh, Rosenstein uh, testified in an open session to the House Judiciary uh, Thursday. Uh, I'll go. Oh, that was Wednesday. I'll go over that. Uh, that was my homework assignment. <laughs> <laughs> Thursday, the FCC voted along party lines to end net neutrality. And the only reason that the way the reason this touches Russia, and we usually there's so many, you know, body politic things we could talk about in this, and I try to keep it narrowed down to the scope of the Russia probe and the Mueller mm-hmm. investigation. But the reason that net, net neutrality vote um, touches the Russia probe is because the FCC put up a website where they said, please, public, leave <laughs> us your comments. Yeah. Uh, and there were uh, thousands of illegitimate comments uh, left from people who had died. Mm-hmm. Uh, and a lot of them came from Russian email addresses. Yeah. So it begs so the question... Weird. Do How much are you helping? Always come from Russia servers and, and emails, and we just never realize it until now. Or is this like a recent thing? It was like Facebook with the ads. Like we didn't know. It's like they paid you in rubles. Yeah. Like, stop it. Is... I think the way that's kind of happened, and I not to go too far off track, but uh, read an article a couple months ago. They said, "In the Cold War, the United States stopped fighting, but Russia never stopped. They've been mm. putting thirty years of infrastructure into oh, yeah. disinformation campaigns and meddling, like exactly like this. Right. So while we shuttered our office and kind of tried to work on a big ten thousand foot level with how we could cooperate with Russia, Russia never stopped seeing us as the enemy. You, if you remember, Putin being the head of the KGB." And that's exactly how he operates. That's how yeah. all of this operates. Mm-hmm. It's it's meant to sow chaos. It doesn't even matter if Trump doesn't accomplish... Under the theory, it doesn't matter if Trump accomplishes anything for Putin directly. What it just means is they think if they've been... The reports are they think it's successful because we're yeah. we're chaotic right now. Right. Yeah. You've, got, you've got entire segments of the population who will not believe... 33% that will not believe anything contradictory to what Trump says. And that's an incredible success on their on their behalf. 
Yeah. Yeah, it's it's a terrible American president success, but it's a real great success if you're a foreign country trying to run our government yeah. or at least interfere uh, with with its operation, and the the democracy of you know how we, we, should create, we were all like, pretty calm and and relaxed when you know Obama was in office and even when Bush was in office, yeah. it was everything was pretty chill. Uh, I was very unnerved about Bush, but for totally different reasons. Then, I but I didn't <laughs> think you could get dumber. I thought like like. The, the joke I like to tell is, like, I, I hate how we're looking at Bush fondly, you know? Like, oh, I, I'm your nostalgia. It's like, it's like, well, doesn't Trump make you nostalgic for Bush? Like, I guess sort of in the same way being engulfed in flames makes me nostalgic for drowning. Yeah. yeah. yeah, yeah. Drowning, Hurricane Katrina reference. I like that. <laughs> well, I didn't realize it was hey, that, but, you, but yeah, that's, well, that's you guys, do, Can you believe how badly Obama handled Katrina, you guys? <laughs> it was that Kenyan Marxist time machine. He went back and he tricked George Bush into having birthday cake with John McCain instead of formulating <laughs> oh, no, a response. John McCain. Oh, John McCain. How far you've gone. Another like a gold star right now. And yeah. he's, he's, I don't know how he's going to get back on, on TV. Tuesday to vote. Oh, he um, might not. And, and Carver's in the hospital, guy. too. Mm-hmm. These I don't people know. are old. We'll I mean, see. Like, <laughs> <laughs> it's not okay, no. These dicks are old, it's bro. Like they want everyone else to retire at 70, but they're working until they die. Yeah. In a job that gives Quite them a literally. lifetime yeah. of benefits. Yeah. Great yeah. health care, though. Oh, that's their the argument. Best. That's yeah. their argument. I'm like, rooting for John McCain. I didn't retire until I was 82. You're like, yeah, okay, but you benefit from power. Right? And then I took labor. I'm in between work right now but i would love to get paid one hundred eighty thousand dollars a year to do nothing that's, oh, yeah. that's the dream i would get promoted by the worst job i do the better i well you i have run to run for office well as a republican then i don't actually have to believe any of their bullshit and yeah. i can just say i am lying to you You're like yes yes i don't care yeah pretty much that's until they need. find out i'm a jew and then it's over <laughs> oh yeah don't tell shit. them <laughs> shit sorry sorry guys we're good we'll bleep that out later <laughs> Uh, the FCC vote, okay, we got the FCC vote in there. So that's it. There were some Russian emails in there from the fake comments. Right. And, oh, interestingly, Schneiderman, the guy of Schneiderman Advance that mm-hmm. has the charges on the back burner for Manafort and Gates, is now uh, the same guy who's filing a multi-state lawsuit uh, against the repeal of net neutrality. Nice. So he's heading Good that man. He's heading yeah. that up. Um, then... Uh, more stonewalling um, by the GOP majority in the Senate Judiciary Committee, uh, basically by stacking interviews. Um, and they're not sending, like, when they, they're just piling up these witness interviews, like, that so fast and so furious that they, they can't even get the documents out to the Democrats in time to prepare for these um, testimonies. Yeah, yeah. So, so like for example, Felix Sater and Rona Graf are going to be testifying next week oh, wow. when Sessions when or when I think Sessions out, but the staffers of the House Judiciary Committee are going to be answering or asking them questions, and they're going to be doing it in New York. They're not even doing it on Capitol Hill, so it's not so it's the senators aren't even going to get to ask the questions. They're doing it, and they're so like weird. shoving it into this into I don't know. It's just it's it seems stonewall, and and the thing is is that these guys. They're available to testify when the the house is back in session, and and the but they but they're not doing it. It's just it just seems like it's sketchy. another tactic to just yeah. kind of and and the, I believe the idea is that from from uh, Democrats uh, in the house is that they they think that they really want to end this investigation in the house by the end of the year. Oh yeah, because Trump really. Is gunning for that, right? Mm-hmm. Still, right. as his Christmas present, if he's a good boy. He's such a jerk. <laughs> uh, 
Uh, so we were really relying <laughs> on Mueller. You guys were really, were really relying on Mueller. Yeah, uh, yeah. The Department of Justice uh, released the struck page texts, um, possibly violating the principal injunction that upset Rosenstein in the first place with the leaking of the Comey memo. Remember when Comey wrote a memo about mm-hmm. what had happened with the meeting and the, with, where the president met him and, and stuff, and that apparently Comey leaked it to the press? And yeah. Rosenstein... The one demanding your loyalty. Right? Yes. <laughs> yeah. And Rosenstein is like, you can't do that, man. You know, And the Republicans are like, what the fuck? But now they're doing that same, they're violating that injunction yeah. um, with this release of these text messages. And what's really interesting, these are private text messages, and um, I'll go, I'll go into it a little bit later. But they, there's no law against having a political affiliation and working for the government or working even on a federal investigation. But I don't know. These, I, I'm wondering if Jeff Sessions approved the release of these texts because the Office of the Inspector General did not approve it. And if Jeff Sessions did approve it, is he violating his recusal? I think you are. I think arguably he would be because this is in connection. If you're investigating the investigation, that's sort of standing in its way. Once you've <laughs> yeah. recused yourself, you've said because remember the. Well, I'll talk about this later. Special counsel is not subject to the day-to-day supervision of the AG, but the AG ultimately has the power to get rid of him mm-hmm. unless, of course, the AG has recused himself. Then the deputy AG. So yes, any. Anything having to do with this would arguably be a violation of that recusal. But again, this is all speculative. Mm -hmm. And I also want to make a point that this isn't outside the realm of what Republicans do when they investigate. A big theme of the, the, what was it, 12-year Benghazi investigation? I forget. (laughs) What happened there that was very frequent is Gowdy, he represented himself as this independent prosecutor who just wants to get to the evidence. But his committee was frequently found to leak transcripts with vital pieces missing or alter emails before releasing them they'd say well we didn't realize that happened you know again plausible deniability that's completely implausible but the people who should care don't so this was this is the same here they selectively leaked text messages critical of donald trump that made it look terrible that they were biased and but then they of course left out that they hate that they were conservative Democrats who really didn't like Bernie Sanders, Hillary Clinton, Eric Holder, and all kinds of other people. And that was not released. So it seems pretty clear that that's the strategy is to portray them as in a certain light with the DOJ essentially throwing career officials under the bus for no other reason than they want to stop this. Right. Yeah, I think that's precisely it. And just this whole stonewalling attack of credibility. I 100% guarantee you Mueller saw it coming. Um, he is not a stupid man. Uh, it it makes sense that w- once he started getting close to the bear den, that the bears are going to get mad. So, I mean, I hope he's got exit plan one through seventy six and plan B C D all the way to like double three Z's. And then like like I'm sure he's like he seems like one of the most prepared, uh, deliberate. And uh, I don't know detailed dudes that that like ever could have lived. So yeah, yeah I hope he so. He can't. This can't be surprising him, you know. But yeah. I mean, the <laughs> some of the reasons are like what? Yeah, like that is the most ridiculous thing I've ever heard. I mean, I knew this was coming, but I didn't think you were gonna try to pull that, bro. So exactly. It's, it's probably just too crazy sometimes. It's interesting. I think you underestimate the 
raw cynicism of the right. It really doesn't matter what you tell them. They do seem to go along with it. There's yeah. this weird cultish hero worship that I haven't seen with any... Anyone it's a childlike else. imagination they have. And to give to give a shout out to Michael Castleberry, he made this comment like it's weird that they deify Trump. At least they waited till Reagan was dead to deify him. You know, Trump like he's still here. <laughs> like, like he's like, yes, we're winning. Winning what? What, yeah. what, what, what? what have you won? Yeah, no, nothing. Uh, Senate Intel Committee says they have evidence of intent to collude on Donald Trump Jr. and more than intent to collude with Flynn. So, <clears throat> again, collude, conspire, uh, what's Tricky. illegal, what's not illegal, Mueller knows, it'll all come out in the wash. Mm-hmm. Uh, again, collusion is a colloquialism, I went over that a little bit earlier. Uh, we learned intel briefers are leaving Russia updates out of the daily intel brie- briefing with the president. Interesting, yeah. yeah. Talk about that. Because he's a fucking crybaby, yeah. like he doesn't want to hear about Russia, and so... Yeah. Because then his win meant he had help. Where's that? <laughs> just like he did, he didn't have help. He just inherited two hundred million dollars from his dad. He did it all himself. Mm-hmm. Yeah, right. Mm, no exactly. help. I don't know, man. I'd have a pretty hard time succeeding in life if I started out with two hundred million dollars. I wouldn't know where to begin. <laughs> Paul Ryan is uh, quote unquote soul searching. Uh, so he might. He needs a soul. I understand. He, yeah, <laughs> he's searching for souls. So if anyone knows any <laughs> place where you can he buy one, his, well, yeah. if thirteen million lose health insurance, there's going to be a lot of dead people. So uh, cool. I think that's where he can get what too soon. <laughs> no, no, too late. Too late. Oh. <laughs> too late. Nice. Uh, but yeah, so Paul Ryan might be resigning. I don't know. It seems like a rumor. It seems like he kind of said something and people took it out of context. But we'll see. Farenthal is going to resign, though. That's that creepy fat dude. That oh, was, Ducky Pajam. Yeah, sexual harassment guy. Oh. Um, Texas, I think. Uh, Republican. Yeah, I think house. that's him. Man, he's a creepy little fuckface. Just a little, just a little toady guy with like glasses, and he's like, I, and his excuse was, "I've never worked in the government. I've never worked in the, in the in the Congress. I didn't know they had rules like that." Wait, like, he's, he's using the George Costanza defense. I had no idea that sexually harassing people was frowned upon in Congress. If I had known, I certainly would have hid it better. I've never run an office like that. Huh. Oh my God, you creepy little. Dick. They lived too long. Uh, Amorosa was fired or left or was dragged out or something dramatic. And I, I don't, I, whatever happens to her, all I know is that she's just a, a lightning rod for drama. So whatever the fuck, she, she, pro- they were probably yeah. like, you know what? Um, just it's time to go. And she was like, okay. And then she now she's like, oh, I'm gonna expose everything you could have even imagined. Some of the things that I've seen. Where's my signing <laughs> And it's just like, oh man, okay, you know what? Bye. Whatever. Maybe she'll get her own spin off in the reality show America. She will. Oh, her Mueller testimony will go like public like, viral. <laughs> I don't think Mueller's even gonna interview her. She's just like <laughs> she'll a, just be sitting there sad, like mm. Yeah. She'll be like don't knocking on Mueller's door, like, yeah. I got information and he's like, get out of here. <laughs> What do you what? I'm important. No, you're not. Um, a fourth call between Putin and Trump took place that we had to find out about from from Russian media. Fourth time. Um, wow. So we have a whole entire communications department set up in the White House, and we have to learn about these Trump Putin meetings from Russia. That's yeah. I don't know played. if you all. Oh, I don't know if you also saw that article. It was, uh, I think it was WAPO. It was either WAPO or New York Times. They were sourcing inter- that uh, internal deliberations of the White House. One of the things they mentioned was, 
his favorite leaders, I don't know if you heard that, his favorite leaders are uh, Putin, Erdogan, and... Uh, Xi, right? Yes. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yes, of China. Yeah. And this, this is pretty... You know, everyone's been talking about his authoritarian tendencies for some time. He famously said in a Playboy interview that he seemed to like what China did with crushing Tiananmen Square. You know, I mean, that again, there's like 10 million things he does that are terrible, so it's hard to keep track of all of yeah, them. I'm surprised right. he didn't list that Philippines guy. That You know, he loves that guy, too. Oh, yeah, What's the one that likes to murder. Uh, Rodrigo Duterte. Duterte. Mm-hmm. Man, that guy's a... Is he related to Joe Duterte? I don't think so. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I don't think so. Uh, Friday, Dowd and Seculo uh, are going to meet with the Mueller team next week. Okay. Trump's lawyers are meeting with Mueller next week. Yeah. I don't know what it's about, but... Um, They're good at dodging logic, though. So. Well, but but it seems now Mueller's gotten through everyone, and now he's, he's on to the Pence-Trump yeah. level. Yeah. Unless it's just a, it might be a simple thing to settle this discovery dispute. It could be, it could be any number of things, but I'm assuming it's to say, here's what I've got on your guy. Oh, that would be amazing. Um, but again, you're going to, Jordan's going to talk about the, the, the different paths Mueller can take. There's three or four different things he can do uh, with the information that he has. Um, he already has it all, probably, I'm sure. There's really nothing new um, that can come to light, and I mean, unless he actually just interviews Trump and Pence and, uh, themselves. Yeah. And, and I think DT, yeah, Donald Trump Jr., he's already talked to. Kushner, he's already talked to. Like, he's already talked oh, to everybody. right. When you think about it, he's really close. Yeah. But, I mean, there's, there's processes in federal court that can take months and months, like mm-hmm. discovery. Like, uh, I mean, there's just so many things that, uh, we, we, you know, we talk about how many months it took to get to just simply go through the um, firing of, of, well, Archibald Cox requesting the tapes, him refusing, him firing, them getting a new special counsel, like that whole thing took so long of a period of time, and there's still a lot left to do. So we don't want to we don't want to get too excited yeah, about you're right. right. Cox Cox started, I believe it was in May of 1973, and Nixon resigned in August of 74. Yeah. When Cox was appointed, he said, I think this investigation will take 18 months. Mm-hmm. So you have to understand that when you have people saying, oh, this investigation needs to be shut down. Well, you look at, you look, what are, what are parallel investigations? Watergate took, took just over, literally just around 18 months or so. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then there was stuff that happened afterwards that led to indictments and prosecutions, but the big fish took 18 months to get there. How many mm-hmm. months in is Mueller now? I feel like... July? So okay. Oh wait, no. He. I thought he was appointed in May. He was. Uh, wasn't he? Yeah. Special counsel came out in May after Comey was fired. Yes. Two weeks later, Rosenstein said, uh, "We we need to appoint someone." Yes, but the FBI hasn't been investigating the Russia probe for over a year and a half now. Yes. So, but if from just Mueller start to finish, we are June, July, August, September, October, November. We're seven months into it. Right. So, nice. so we're barely barely into it. Like and they're like, "God, this is taking forever." I mean. <laughs> What's cra- what's crazy about all this is like so much of the most salacious stuff has just been people saying that Trump didn't obstruct justice or anything. It's like, oh yeah, I totally did this thing for that reason. Well, you can't take the words he says literally just because he's on TV. You yeah. tricked him into letting him talk without stopping him. Yeah. yeah, you tricked him into letting him talk without stopping him. That's that's the weirdest kind of entrapment ever. Uh, he talked. 
I, I've, been the at, end. I've been insisting you could cut this investigation off immediately by being, hey, you obstructed justice, didn't you? Because I hear people with large hands do that. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. I did all of those things. <laughs> the end. You know, also, when Watergate happened, like, there wasn't the internet. I think a big part of why people are so restless about this is because it's like we see all of the evidence. As well, we expect not much even faster conclusions. Yeah, yeah. Now Instant than you would have back then. <laughs> yeah. we are very, uh, we're a very 10 second culture. We're a very. We want to buy an investigation. Six right. seconds yes. or less. Right. Right. And, and the same, well, you've also got the problem that your outrage can go away simply because there's so much stuff going on. A lot of people theorized that Moore was going to win simply because a month was too long for people to be upset about child molestation. Right. Right? They're and like, now, if you told me this two then. weeks before, yeah. I would have been mad. But four weeks? I mean, that's I'm two extra it. weeks. Yeah. I'm over it. Same with, same with Comey reopening the, the Clinton investigation, which seems like, ironically, for all the talk about a partisan FBI, it seems like anti-Trump sorry, anti-Clinton agents basically blackmailed him mm-hmm. into reopening it or else they were going to make him look bad. Uh-huh. Yeah, so, that was And if they had up. done that a month before, they likely would have calmed down enough, but because it was right before the election, that was... 11 days. 11 days, yeah. that's right, 11 yeah. days. <clears throat> so our attention spans are short. But they're super skewed against Trump. Yeah. Um, <laughs> right, we all know law enforcement leans liberal everywhere. Mm-hmm. Everywhere. In fact, some of the Especially biggest proponents of the biggest proponents of Black Lives Matter are in law enforcement. They're <laughs> constantly marching FBI? and demanding. Super hippies. Oh. Come on, dude. Real, like hipster hippies. You know you have to smoke weed to be in the FBI. Wait, oh, yeah. hipster hippies, that means that means they're oh, they're doing hippie hippieism ironically. Yes. Oh, mm-hmm. that's, yes, they're they're wearing tie-dye ironically. <laughs> Uh, but they are uh, unironically on drugs all the time. That's and they're in the FBI. Cool Show band so. name. Yeah, <laughs> unironically on drugs. Yeah. <laughs> or my memoir. I don't know. <laughs> uh, Trump left the door open to pardon Flynn. That was uh, and that just might have been a stupid gaffe. Uh, he was asked, "Are you going to pardon Flynn? Are you going to pardon Flynn?" And he said, uh, "We're not going to talk about pardoning Flynn yet." Um, that doesn't even make sense. He's, he's cooperating with the probe. A pardon won't do anything. He's already given them the information. It yeah. would only be able to pardon him from the one count of lying to the FBI that he was charged yeah. with. Then they could and bring forward other charges. The 76 other charges and that like, they didn't pardon, use. Pardon, and pardon. in his, in his um, uh, plea agreement, it was left out that he wouldn't be charged with all of any of these other charges. So Mueller left that door open. And that's something that most people get for proffer in a in a plea agreement proffer is here's what i've got to offer you and then the plea agreement is like okay we're only going to charge you with, with this one thing and we and we have all these other charges we are are not going to charge you with these other things provided that what you give us comes has a, comes to a result or has fruition like something comes to fruition that language is completely left out of it. it's like the shittiest plea deal ever for for flynn but yeah. i mean what else is he going to do he's probably got if if, Matt, if uh, Manafort and Gates had twelve charges of, of federal felonies, how many could Flynn possibly have that he wasn't charged with? Yeah. So par- Trump could only pardon that one charge, I, I prom- and you- he could be charged with other things. We should do like a segment, like where we guess who's going to get pardoned. Oh, Let's call it like pardon my Russian or something. Pardon, <laughs> my, pardon my Russian instead of French. I like. Pardon that. me for Russian. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Wst. Uh, Oh, my handwriting is abysmal. Wall Street (laughs) Journal. Uh, The the, the Deutsche Bank uh, subpoenas that we said happened. Yeah. uh, I'm reporting again. They happened. Uh, They've been able to confirm it, though, directly, Trump. Uh, And, uh, Jordan, you're going to talk a a little bit about um, 
the clause for federal investigators, or at least in the statute, I think, of the, or the Justice Department, Justice regulations. Department regulations about subpoenas um, for financial records and things like that. Uh, and not just financial records, any subpoena, really. Um, well, actually, well, yeah, we, we can cover all of those. Yeah. There are different rules. Uh, Kushner uh, today uh, found out he's scrambling to hire a crisis PR firm. <laughs> That's appropriate. Uh, yeah. Yeah. A public relations crisis response firm or something like that. What? So It's a cry for help. Maybe you should have done well, that sooner than today, though. Yeah. Well, what's, gonna ha- what's happening? Is something going to go down? Like, is, what is, what is, other reason would you have that? I mean, he's already been tasked as the czar of literally everything in the government. Yeah. Why doesn't he just run his own PR campaign if he's the greatest at everything that's ever yeah. existed? He's too busy, yeah. you know, solving peace in the Middle East. Him admitting he needs help has been very hard for him. Yeah. Oh, you got He had to speak words, and he's only allowed, like, ten words a week. <laughs> Otherwise, he's he will literally die. Christian. That's part of the old witch's yeah. curse. That's how he got his soul. Twitter limit. That's how he got his soul. That's that's the deal <laughs> in his sole plea agreement. Uh, Rod Rosenstein's testimony. I don't know if you guys watched this. Mm-hmm. Uh, Woo! Um, I I I don't think I've ever DVR'd something off of C-SPAN three before. But I, I don't think anyone has. <laughs> Is it a third one? I yeah. The oh, Ocho. No way. Uh, oh, it's Trump TV. You got you watched ESPN three of congressional hearings. I did. Yeah. I watched the ESPN three of congressional hearings. I don't know what was going on in C-SPAN one and two that day, but apparently it was more important than the wow. deputy deputy attorney general uh, testifying. Uh, so. First of all, there's a lot of things going on with this testimony. For, it just sounded like one giant commercial for Republicans to discredit the Mueller investigation. It, they did an open session with the uh, Rosenstein, who is a Trump appointee, um, on TV for everybody to see. Now, I granted, I don't think C-SPAN 3 gets a lot of traffic uh, <laughs> at, at 7 in the morning on a Wednesday, but still... Um, I guess 10 a.m. on the on the East Coast, maybe you waking up and get it, get your shit get together. Get a bagel or something. All <laughs> well, those coastal elites who yeah. have time to watch this thing. So <laughs> and you know I would have been up at seven watching it like a fucking nerd if oh, I didn't yeah. have to work. So definitely. But it was just Republican after Republican uh, was just like slamming this thing about biased in uh, bias in the. Mueller's team and how can you call yourself a, a fair and impartial investigation and there's these there's these rules about the appearance of bias right. versus actual bias and the impropriety imp- appearance of impropriety that's the phrase they're impressive they, when they when they really rally behind an idea the hypocrisy is so like strong but they don't care it's thick right yeah they just go straight because, ahead with it and here's the thing struck and page uh struck was a uh, investigator with the FBI. Page was a lawyer. I don't know if they were dating or whatever, but they <laughs> sent texts back and forth to each other, uh, and they were there were a lot of anti-Trump texts, a lot of anti-Trump voter texts, a lot of there were anti-Bernie texts, anti-Eric Holder texts. Anti- right. There were like they just hate everybody. Exactly. Uh, but which because seems Trump like is a, the one being investigated. Which they, seems like a great disposition for a prosecutor. I like it. I'm, um, but I'm biased. I'll admit. Because I had this thought um i understand you want to keep bias out of an investigation but wouldn't the fact that you hate the person you're investigating actually make you do a better job like i couldn't i understand that 
when you're when you're investigating, you look for facts, you find facts, and you report facts. There's right. not like the only thing that could happen is if you have bias against somebody and you made some shit up. But you could make it up against them, probably though, right? So I I, I was talking to my husband. I'm like. Wouldn't it just be bad if you were a prosecutor and your bias was because you liked somebody too much and that prevented <laughs> you from looking too deeply into anything? Well, I'll, I'll, I'll cut in on that and say it's, of course, a really big problem for if you're shown to have bias. For example, you look in places where there's been lots of scandals for, decline, for DAs or prosecutors declining to prosecute because of either their, whether it's campaign finance issues or, or for example... When you, like when you find racist texts among prosecutors' office, I think this was out of New York, uh, somewhere. But if you, for example, when stuff like that comes out, or like in San Francisco, you get text messages between officers that are racist. Uh, what, but where what, are you going to find sixteen brilliant lawyers who don't think Trump's an idiot? Well, you're not supposed. To, well, what? I, what here, here's the. Well, fair enough, but. Here, here's the thing with that. When you show bias, they were that was a basis for throwing out some of those prosecutions because if you are biased, you're not going to do a better job of it. Okay. If you're biased, no, your I'm goal really is... really just joking. Of course, that. but, but <laughs> I, I'm sorry. I, I, you brought me on not as my comedian capacity, but I, as a lawyer who shits on everything. And when it comes to, when it comes to bias, a prosecutor is allowed to have political opinions. In fact, I, I was reading a thread by a conservative prosecutor who was saying, I trash liberals all the time in text messages. I just didn't let it affect my job. This yeah. is nonsense. Yeah, and it is. And and I think, I don't know. And here, here are some of the, the questions that came out of this thing where, you know, people were like, how could you let that person on your team? Why would you have that person on your team? I question Mueller's integrity because uh, this guy was on his team. He hired this guy and he let these people be on his team. And the, the, the fact of the matter was, what Rod Rosenstein answered was, first of all, these people were on the team before I appointed Mueller. So I appointed Mueller into this team, and they were on this team. And the, the day that Mueller found out about these texts, through, a, through an IG investigation, um, that's the inspector general, uh, when he, the, he found out about it, the guy was gone by lunch. He was no longer on the team, and that lawyer, Paige, had already left the team already mm-hmm. of her own accord. Right, but that doesn't matter so to the So within hours, yeah. he, he was removed. So the hypocrisy, which you were touching on a little bit earlier, it's real. about keeping Flynn in office for 18 days after finding out he had lied to the FBI is okay, but waiting four hours to fire a guy over text messages in his private world... unacceptable and cannot never be undone. Yeah. Investigation. It's the view of the Republican Party that the only people who can do a nonpartisan, non-biased job are Republicans finding the conclusions they want. Yes. Everyone else is suspect. What I'm going to cover when I talk about parallels in the past is the kind of stuff that or that was uh, that Cox, the prosecutor, and then his successor, uh, these the th- the things that could have been that they would have been dragged through the mud had any of this been the case. Then, I mean, Cox was a Democrat. The subsequent special prosecutor was a supporter of LBJ, and yes, he had donated to, he had uh, voted for Nixon twice, but the kinds of associations these people had would absolutely not fly today. We kind of had more respect for law enforcement, like, sure, you're a Democrat, but we trust you to do a good job. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's getting harder to trust any Democrats, but at least, I guess, they're Republicans, Republicans this time around. 
Yeah, I guess I meant, yeah, I'm sorry. Like, uh, politicians in general used to be more skeptical of, like, across the board. But no, this time around. No, they were still around, pretty. They were dicks back then, too. They were yeah, dicks, yeah. but there's, there's a difference. There's now a, there's a huge gap. Yeah. There's a, yeah, there's no, there's, it, it, we, what we've had trouble dealing with in this modern landscape is how do you deal with a side that does not operate in good faith and does not actually care? Mm-hmm. Like, how do, you, how do you do that? That means none of your good good measures or whatever, your uh, being gracious gets you nowhere. They're not go- if you concede a point, then you to them that you they've won the argument. Even if you're just doing the philosophical, you know, Socratic debate thing of okay, let's have this back and forth. Let's be philosophical about it. But they're not they're not interested in that. So right. they're not going to look at the anti-liberal texts. There, they're just going to focus on the anti-Trump texts and come to the conclusion they might because Hannity told them what to think, and they're like, yeah, that sounds right. Right. Well, the the other interesting thing that happened is is one of the senator or one of the reps came on and he did this very dramatic with so much flair a list of nine of the sixteen uh, people on the on Mueller's team and how much money they donated to Democrats in the past and he and, and the li- he's like listing naming them uh, Weintraub he donated a thousand dollars to Obama's campaign twice <laughs> and then this guy donated thirty three hundred dollars to the Clinton campaign zero to Trump and he listed nine names and, and with all the stuff they did and then he's like why. how do you yeah. expect me to believe these people are without bias and I'm like I'm like hold on. Yeah. hold on nine of 16 that means there's seven who did donate to Trump or didn't support Repo- or Democrats and they didn't talk about them at all I'm like that's not a bad Seven and nine, that's not a bad... Maybe he couldn't get eight and eight. Like I said, it's got to be hard to find super educated, brilliant legal minds that would support Donald Trump. That's probably... Actually, I didn't really think about that tonight. That's probably why there's so many shitty judicial nominees, because what kind of person would want to be part of that a real piece of shit who doesn't who's never tried a case right. I, I said that exact same thing when they showed yeah. that that what uh, kennedy questioning mm-hmm. that judge you ever tried a case no jury case no civil case no small claims court no you ever do this no can you tell me what the statute is no i don't have i don't know <laughs> it. and 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 i was having that exact same conversation with my husband saying are there like smart, sharp legal minds that would want to be a part of this? That would support Trump's, I guess, uh, agenda. But right? even from the start, there were some that seemed to be willing, and then he just like pushes them away. He like finds a way. I think Trump. Yeah, in the beginning, he did have like some smart people on his side. It seemed who, like. Who are you, who are you talking about? Uh, I feel like my <laughs> references are pretty biased. I love I'm you, thinking, but I'm challenging. I'm thinking you right like now. Kanye West. <laughs> <laughs> He was like, because he, he pushed his base aside. He was like, hey, guys, I'm just going to work with him because he's the president now. we got to try to get along. And I'm like, oh, gosh, I guess that's the humble thing to do. But then even then, Trump was like, yeah, screw black people. So I don't know. I feel Kanye's not the best example. Yeah, he had four friends man. and they're all gone. Yeah, so. yeah. I feel bad for Omarosa leaving. Now Ben Carson is his only black friend. Left. Yeah, it's really lonely. <laughs> ben Carson, I've got uh, the texts. Okay, so... Uh, I have a couple of the texts because these are so funny. And speaking of Ben Carson, where's the Ben Carson one? In one of the texts, Strzok called Ben Carson the, quote, crazy-ass grain storage pyramid guy. (laughs) That was fantastic. Uh, Grain storage? Grain storage. Because he he was the one who said, well, the pyramids, maybe, they were filled with grain. That's why we built them. And they're like, no, 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 no. It's like you start to have a stroke when you're trying to think about it. Like, I mean, how can you be so smart in medicine and, like, so dumb otherwise? I, 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 maybe you compartmentalize. 
Yeah. Or what's the joke? What do they call a guy who graduated at the bottom of his class in medical school? A doctor. Yeah. Uh, Trump's a loathsome human being, an idiot, awful. Uh, a douche. Uh, he called his family douchebags. Oh, the douchebags are about to come up on stage and referring to Melania. Like, is it a last name, the douchebags? Uh, one said, I just went to a Southern Virginia Walmart and you could smell the Trump support. Oh, no. <laughs> um, That's awful. And when they're going through these texts, the Republicans, and they're reading them to Rod Rosenstein and they're hammering on how Mueller can't possibly have a. a uh, an investigation team that is now not tainted by bias. Uh, Rep uh, Nadler said, a t- Democrat from Texas, he said, look, these are text messages sent on a private phone in private time to private people, and these are things most Americans were already thinking about Trump anyway. Oh, man. <laughs> Polling data so would back. support that. That uh, yeah. I think idiot is the first word that comes to mind in Americans. Yeah. Um, let's see. So the IG wasn't notified... Um, about the, the release of those texts. Um, and then a lot of the Republicans were asking for Rod Rosenstein to appoint a special prosecutor to investigate the investigation. Huh. And Rod Rosenstein explained to them that there is a process for appointing a special prosecutor. Uh, step one is you have uh, an IG uh, investigate the situation that's in question. Mm-hmm. And then if there is a prejudicial criminal... Uh, activity, or you have to have cause um, right. to, to appoint a special prosecutor. Uh, and we, the reason that Hillary, we didn't have a special prosecutor on Hillary is because not only did the IG, but the FBI investigated and they found no cause right, to, to appoint a special prosecutor. Yeah, yeah. We are now having an IG investigation into this investigation. That's how Mueller found out about Strzok's text. Yeah. Uh, was through the IG. So we're doing that, and once that plays out, and I can't tell you anything about it because it's an ongoing investigation. Right. If there's, uh, you know, enough criminal, um, you know, signs point to any criminal activity, I'll go ahead and appoint a special prosecutor to investigate the investigation. But until then, shut up. And, right. and just to, just to add add to that, it's not it. In order for special counsel to be appointed, uh, either the AG or the acting AG, and this is kind of goes back to Mueller. Uh, the statute says that the only time that you can appoint a special counsel is if it would, if the AG investigating it would be a, con- or if the, if the DOJ investigated, it would be a conflict of interest for them or other extraordinary circumstances. And it might not be a conflict of interest in this case. For right. The, for That's, the deputy AG to investigate Right. It. The whole point of an independent counsel would be have to admit that, oh, this, you, we don't trust the DOJ or the attorney general or the deputy attorney general to look mm-hmm. into this. We want somebody else. And unless they can show that the DOJ or the IG or some other department wouldn't be able to properly investigate this or check it, that, that then there wouldn't be any basis. And that seems to be what, Ro- what Rosenstein has been saying. There's not really any basis for this. It's actually illegal for him to appoint a special counsel. Right. It would, be contra- not warranted. it would be contrary to statute. Mm-hmm. Breaking the law. Breaking the law. Uh, <laughs> uh, process for appointing one, uh, predication of criminal wrongdoing. That's what it is. There has to be a predication of criminal wrongdoing to appoint. Um, Legal mumbo jumbo. Yes. Uh, Mueller's team, uh, 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 one of the Democrats pointed out that Mueller's team is part of, falls under OPM, which is the Office of Personnel Management, which means they are subject to merit promotion rules, which means they can only, or they cannot be hired or not hired based on a, a great number of things listed in the federal government, race, religion, uh, 
uh, gender identity, sexual orientation, political affiliation. Mm-hmm. So you, you aren't allowed by the federal statutes right. to appoint or not hire or not hire somebody in the OPM yeah. merit-based uh, appointment system mm-hmm. for their political beliefs. Right, so, so it doesn't even matter if no. they have private messages. And in fact, it's a question, I kind of question him, him being removed from his position at all, uh, whether that's even legal, um, because you're allowed to have a political it's probably opinion. just a sacrifice to get them to... But Mueller has well, there to is appear no above, you know... Yeah. Well, when it comes to uh, for, like political affiliations and views, that's one of those things that most of the time isn't really a protected class. Like that guy, like like in California years ago, where the guy was from Mozilla was found to have donated to Prop Eight, mm-hmm. and there was pressure, and then he was kind of forced out. Mm-hmm. There and there's not, I mean, there's unless there's a statutory provision, there's not really protection for your political views. It's crappy, it's awful, but I, mm-hmm. it doesn't seem like. They're protected by that. Not in firing, but in hiring. That's correct. Uh, so, there you go. There you have it. Interesting. Okay. Um, I thought that was an interesting point that that, that, that uh, representative brought up. Uh, if Mueller wanted to add to this scope of the investigation, that was another thing, too. A lot of these Republican uh, representatives were asking Rosenstein, uh, well, is he looking outside of what he's supposed to look at? Is he, is he expanding the scope of his investigation? He can do whatever he Did wants. He, ah, well, hang on. Nope, he'll go over that, too. Uh, yes, but no. Okay. Um, if he wanted to add, follow a trail, let's say, that wasn't, didn't have to do with the Russia probe, he can do that, but he has to get Deputy Attorney General approval oh. every time he wants to do that. If he wanted to go further and expand it into something that didn't connect to Russia at all, again, he has to go through deputy. So they're agent. saying, is he doing this without asking for permission first? No. And, well, they asked Rod Rosenstein, has he ever come to you and asked you to widen the scope of the thing? And he's like, well, that's not really how it works. He'll come in, tell me all the things he's investigating. I decide if they're within the scope of the ju- jurisdiction of the, of the statute. And if there's something on there that isn't, I, I would say no. Mm-hmm. But I can tell you that to this date, I haven't said no to anything. And so that the representative took that to mean, so he have approved <laughs> of something an increase of in the scope of the. He's like, well, I mean, no. They, <laughs> it, it just it's so subjective like too for that position that you know it's it's kind of hard for him to say yes or no without it coming off as a lie. Comment, well, you're commenting on an ongoing investigation. You aren't yeah. allowed. Yeah, you can't. There, do that. There. And, and especially given the recusal of the AG, it makes it particularly sensitive. Yeah, that's true. Because if you if if he trips up and then has to recuse himself. We've got a vacant seat in the Eastern District U.S. Court in Virginia. We're I, learning I don't know if I'm so saying that right, but Dana Bente's old position. There isn't a third in line right now, as far as I know. I don't think he's replaced Bente. Dana Bente, remember the guy yep. I told you about? Yeah. yeah. So, and if you don't know what I'm talking about, I'm sorry. Go listen to episode four. You should make like a chart. Dude, Such I don't have enough position. string. Yeah, you know, know. Those, like criminal there any interns out there that like to be a, a, a Mueller Shearer intern. Yeah, yeah, like yeah. Our infographics. That would be really cool. Yes, yeah. and I, I want to take. We'll a... pay you in comedy show tickets. <laughs> so, so yeah. only San Diego, maybe Los Angeles. Sixty dollars. Oh, I mean, AG has a poll. In Los oh yeah, Angeles. we'll take. Hey-o. There's that. We're gonna More bleep it out. For me. <laughs> yeah. uh, so, guys, that just if you get a chance. Uh, to watch that Rod Rosenstein uh, testimony, it, it's pretty interesting. A lot of it was grandstanding. A lot of it was representatives wanting to air their issues on national television. 
uh, to show their constituents that they're that they're concerned about what they want. But most of it was the Republicans attacking Mueller's credibility and the Democrats um, just basically talking about how amazing Mueller was. Now, I have clips. I've never done this before. I'm so excited. Oh, yeah. Uh, to, to do this. So I'm going to go into my little memos here because there was a guy named Deutsch, Ted Deutsch, a Florida Democrat, and he gives a pretty good timeline uh, and it, it, it takes a couple minutes, but it's a really nice wrap-up, cherry on top to what's happened so far. So I wanted to play that so that anyone who just for some reason started listening and didn't listen to any previous episodes, and if you're just joining us, this will give you kind of a good, nice wrap-up of, of, of what's been going on so far. So here we go. This is uh, Ted Deutsch, Democrat from Florida. <laughs> and I, uh, for some reason, why won't it go on speaker? With the benefit of my colleagues, just there we go. Mr. Deutsch, thank you for being here. Uh, there's been uh, there's been a lot of talk about dates and timelines. I'd like to actually just walk through, for the benefit of my colleagues, just a, a short timeline from this year. In January, the FBI, CIA, and NSA concluded the following, and I quote. We assess Russian President Vladimir Putin ordered an influence campaign in 2016 aimed at the U.S. presidential election. Russia's goals were to undermine public faith in the U.S. democratic process, denigrate Secretary Clinton and harm her electability and potential presidency. We further assess Putin and the Russian government developed a clear preference for President-elect Trump. Close quote. Uh, Mr. Rosenstein, do you have any reason to uh, dispute that? No. Uh, in January, also in January, on January 24th, Michael Flynn... Uh, denied to the FBI agents that he discussed U.S. sanctions with Russia before he took office. On January 26th, acting Attorney General Sally Yates told the White House counsel that Flynn lied about the nature of his calls with Kislyak and is vulnerable to blackmail. On February 13th of this year, uh, Flynn resigned over his conversations with the vice president. On February 15th, public reports of telephone records that show that members of the Trump campaign and other Trump associates have repeated contacts with senior Russian intelligence officials in the year before the election. On March 16th, documents released by Representative Cummings show that Flynn received $33,750 from Russia's state-owned TV for a speech that he made in Moscow. On March 20th, the FBI director acknowledged an investigation into possible collusion between the Trump campaign and Russia. On May 9th, the president fired the FBI director. On May 10th, Trump met with Russian diplomats in the White House and revealed classified information and told them that he fired the head of the FBI, called him a nut job, and said, and I quote, I face great pressure because of Russia. That's taken off, close quote. <laughs> On May 11th, the president told NBC News that the Russia thing with Trump and Russia is a made-up story. On June 7th, we learned President Trump urged Comey to drop the Flynn investigation. On July 8th, we learned of undisclosed an undisclosed Trump Tower meeting between Donald Trump Jr., uh, Jared Kushner, Paul Manafort, and a Russian lawyer. The next day, five sources stated that Donald Trump Jr. agreed to the meeting on the premise that damaging information on Hillary Clinton would be, be provided. And five days after that, uh, a veteran of the Russian military, we learned, also attempted that Trump Tower meeting with Donald Trump Jr., Paul Manafort, and Jared Kushner. Uh, on October the 5th, uh, George Papadopoulos, one of five people the president identified as a policy advisor, uh, pleaded guilty to one count of making a false statement to the FBI on January 27th about the timing, extent, and nature of relationships and interactions with certain foreign nationals. In the statement of offense, we learned 
that he reached out regarding his connections that he could help arrange a meeting between Trump and Putin. On October 27th, former Trump campaign chairman Paul Manafort and campaign advisor Rick Gates were indicted on multiple counts, including conspiracy against the United States. In November, the president of the United States met with Vladimir Putin and said, and I quote, he said he didn't meddle. He said he didn't meddle. I asked him again. You can only ask so many times. Every time he sees me, he says, I didn't do that. And I really believe that. When he tells me that, he means it. The president went on to say, I mean, give me a break talking about the, uh, the national security uh, folks who put together that report that I quoted earlier. Give me a break. They are political hacks. On December 1st, former National Security Advisor Mike Flynn pleaded guilty to one count of making a false statement to the FBI about conversations he had with the Russian ambassador regarding sanctions. Um, this is a little walk through what happened over the past year. Uh, I would like to ask you, Mr. Rosenstein, uh, uh, I'd like to quote some of my colleagues from this committee. One of them said that the special counsel's investigation into whether the Trump campaign assisted in its effort to interfere in the election is actually an attempt to overthrow the government of the United States. Do you believe that, Mr. Rosenstein? No. Uh, he said we're at risk of a coup d'etat in this country if we allow an unaccountable person. Is uh, the special counsel unaccountable here? No, he's not unaccountable. He went on to say, with no oversight, is there no oversight at all of the special counsel? There is oversight. And then he went on to say that if we allow an unaccountable person with no oversight to, under, to undermine the duly elected president of the United States, uh, is pursuing the rule of law undermining the duly elected president of the United States, Mr. Rosenstein? No, it is not. Um, one of my other colleagues said, we've got to clean this town up. He talked about firing Mueller. Uh, one of our former colleagues on this committee accused Mueller of having a vendetta against President Trump because he fired James Comey. Uh, Mr. Rosenstein, do you believe that, that he has a vendetta against no. the president? No, I do not. I, I, I would just conclude uh, that this little walk through this one year in American history uh, makes it impossible to understand how it is that my colleagues on the other side continue to launch attacks not only against reporters, against the FBI, against the special counsel, but they do so to throw dirt on this story, to make it try to go away. Uh, they may want to bury their heads in the sand, uh, but Mr. Chairman, I want to make clear that they will not bury the rule of law in the United States of America, and I yield back. <laughs> Pretty good, huh? Yeah. Yeah, man. I was, I was very succinct. It was. It was so good because he only had five minutes, so he had to hurry up. He, he just was wanted dragging to him. He was, like, roasting him. <clears throat> a little speech out yeah. there. Uh, and the only other clip that I have, it's a much shorter one, it is just uh, Rod Rosenstein's characterization of Mueller. So I'm going to go ahead and play that one for you. Maybe. If I can figure out how. It's very difficult, uh, Congressman, for anybody to find somebody better qualified for this job. Director Mueller has, uh, throughout his lifetime, been a dedicated and respected and heroic public servant. He, after college, volunteered to serve as a Marine in Vietnam where he was wounded in combat. He attended law school and then devoted most of his career to serving as a federal prosecutor. Uh, with the exception of brief stints in uh, private practice, he served as a United States attorney in two districts in Massachusetts and in Northern California. He served in many other positions in the department after he lost his position as the head of the criminal division uh, when uh, President Clinton was elected in 1992. Mr. Mueller briefly went into private practice and then he went back uh, at an entry-level position as a homicide prosecutor trying to help uh, with the violent crime problem in the District of Columbia uh, in the early 1990s. He then rose once again through the ranks and ultimately was confirmed, I believe, unanimously as FBI director protected this nation. 
uh, after 9-11, and then uh, when his 10-year term expired, he was so well-respected that uh, he, his term was extended, I believe, also uh, almost unanimously for another two years. Uh, so I believe that based upon his reputation, his service, his patriotism, uh, and uh, his experience with the department and with the FBI, I believe he was an ideal choice for this task. So that's <clears throat> Rod Rosenstein, uber Republican. Uh, that's his characterization of of uh, Mueller. So, uh, and again, I, I would I would be remiss if I didn't remind everyone that despite all this Republican backlash and attacks on the credibility of Mueller. Uh, Mueller is a lifelong Republican. Uh, he was appointed by a Republican uh, twice. Um, and Deputy Attorney Rod Rosenstein is a Republican, also appointed by Republicans. I think they were the old school Republicans. Twice. It's like a new wave of like, we these don't care about facts. These here. aren't Trump Republicans. These are right. Reagan Republicans. Yeah, yeah. Um, so I don't, and, and, and I'm going to hand this over to you guys uh, shortly, but I know that uh, Jordan's going to talk about uh, the nature of um, the political leanings of, of some of the folks in the Nixon-Watergate. Um, Nixon had a Democratic House in Congress uh, when he was in. <clears throat> and uh, Archibald Cox was a Democrat. So I can you imagine if the special counsel were a Democrat? <laughs> Not only that, but he was, a, he was famously a supporter of George McGovern, who had been demolished in the 1972 election. I mean, this this would sort of be like a Hillary Clinton donor being appointed. Like, everyone <laughs> would go fucking apoplectic. Yeah. And not let's not forget how much everyone was racing to, you know, Pat Mueller on the back when he was appointed, Newt Gingrich, everyone else. They were like, this guy has the utmost integrity. And then months later, it's like, it's corrupt, it's corrupt. And, I mean, but mind you, Gingrich was the same guy who was going after Clinton for an affair while he was having an affair, to which his wife at the time said, how can you possibly say this in public and do this, and, but do this in private? He's like, well, it doesn't really matter what I do in private. This is what's important. I, I'm not oh, quoting wow. correctly, but essentially it's, yeah. it doesn't really matter. What Gingrich matters. said that? Gingrich, yeah. That's hilarious, a, yeah. Oh, Gingrich. I'm newt. Um, <laughs> all right, boy, we, I, for a slow news week, we sure do have a lot of news. So I'm going to hand this over to Julissa to give us a little bit of a Insight. I think your, I think your assignment this week uh, was uh, Papadopoulos and his Greek connection. Yeah, yeah, which is fun. We can add Greece to another place I on know the you, map. I do think it's weird that Papadopoulos and Greece, like well, I, those things, go together. I would have thought it was Doesn't weird. Like yeah, before, but turns out he's the son of Greek immigrants. Yeah, I know. That, I know Papadopoulos. Is yeah, a, I had no yeah, idea though. Glaringly Greek. <laughs> I don't know. Like I, I eat like gyros. I'm not even sure if that's how you pronounce it. Like, yeah, I'm, I'm not very culturally like uh, distinguished, but I do feel like um, it's interesting that that's his only like connection. Like he, his resume as as a foreign anything politically was really light and then he lied about a un job so it was just it's, okay so it's interesting when it comes down to greece because papadopoulos was uh pretty much called one of 
Trump's top five porn, porn, <laughs> foreign policy. <laughs> I think he just made up a, a good, uh, a good porn movie. Porn, yeah, porn yeah. Policy. for the political junkie. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, one of his top five foreign policy advisors, and uh, that was just a weird call for for someone who's really young and who doesn't have a lot of experience in that area. But that's kind of Trump's thing, so I guess it makes sense in hindsight. He likes the people who are young and inexperienced. Exactly. Yeah, like those are his favorites. So. Um, he he basically had Papadopoulos go on this trip. So Trump said all these things about Papadopoulos last year around March. And in May of last year, Papadopoulos went on the trip to uh, Athens, Greece, where um, he was being like wined and dined by all these Greece officials because he was pretty much flaunting his position as Trump's like connection and like his he was on a secret mission there for Trump apparently is what he kept telling people and so he was just really known as this like local celebrity out there and, and he sounds like a douche like, yeah. like, the, like, like the Greek secret version of a mission. Jersey Shore douche I'm sure he was loving every moment <laughs> you know, like, of it like you ever heard Nick Kroll do his Bobby Bottle service like I'm a producer <laughs> I'm a producer and I'm a, a musician and I, yeah. I like vodka cranberry like that's just what he reminds me we need of. more Papadopoulos impressions but I'm not sure what he sounds like Papadopoulos I, I think Nick Cole would be a great podcast. Yeah, I don't have you guys ever heard his voice before? I don't think I've ever heard his voice. Yeah, I don't think we need to. We can oh, create we that. it. Yeah, we need it. Use our imagination. We can but, create um, it. We he can... was just living it up out, out there in Greece. And one of <laughs> one of the Greek uh, political officials that specifically like kind of took interest in him was uh how do you pronounce his name? Kimino? Is that Kimino? What's the mm-hmm. Greek Yeah, so this guy, he was the uh Greek defense minister. Yeah. <laughs> Kimino. It's it's a really I don't know, it's it's um, Okaminos, maybe. But, um, yeah, he's the Greek defense minister, and um, I guess he's, like, their Michael Flynn. He's, like, the head of the defense in, of Greece. National and, security, yeah. Yeah, yeah, and he um, he really took Papadopoulos under his wing while he was out there, and just, like, this guy, he's pro-Russian. Like, Kaminos is known as, like, Putin's top Greece supporter. Like, that's his thing out there. And so it's just weird that all of a sudden when Trump promotes Papadopoulos to this position that you know he becomes like public figure out there and it's just it's it's really weird i guess considering now how all of that has seemed to go away you know considering the obvious uh, plea deal and and it's just it's like they kind of built him up as this like guy who was someone i guess to look up to and they like you know treated him like he was royalty and now it's like just dead silence but he seemed to be the main guy that was using his ties with Greece to connect Trump with Moscow. And that's where it gets kind of fishy, so I guess Mueller will, will sort out the details there, but it's just becoming aware to the public that even though he was just the Greek immigrant, I guess somehow Papadopoulos had enough connections to Greece to kind of smooth over, I guess, the, the channels with, with Moscow. Or maybe like Greece was like a, a, what do you call it, like a little middleman or something? like. That's where it gets really tricky. Maybe it's not hard to be famous in Greece. Maybe like maybe like the difference between being on America's Got Talent and Greece has got talent. Like, it's like yeah, be like you know what? I'm trying out for Greece has got talent. Papa Dom did. He hosted like a beauty pa- the pageant the place out there. Apparently, yeah. <laughs> it's just it must have been nice. I'm sure while it lasted, but um, he was yeah. pimp daddy out there for a while. It's pretty yeah, yeah. Pretty cool. Easy come, easy go. Yes, but that is uh, true. It, it might just be another. I mean, the way I see it, it's just more smoke. I'm, I'm looking for like this like this thing that really helps them. And I know it's all Russia. It comes back to Russia. We're only going to get the smoke. Mueller's got the fire. Yeah, yeah. He's not going to release any of that stuff until it's out and out. Right. 
But before this, I don't, I mean, the public wasn't really thinking about Greece and the, and the Russian mix, so there just might be another yeah. little channel there they can look into. Yeah, they're a relatively know. non-threatening entity and just yeah. economically failures right now. Right, <laughs> yeah, they're one of the picks. Totally, so, yeah. the Portugal, Ireland, mm-hmm. uh, Greece, what, mm-hmm. were the, what were they, um, pigs, P-I-I-G-S. I've never heard of that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Spain. You said Ireland. Ireland. It, Italy. Italia. Uh, yes, yes, yes. I wonder uh, if yeah. Portugal, more. Italy, Ireland, Greece, Greece, oh, Spain. Greece. Yeah. Yeah, this Camino is to like, he might pop That's up mean. a little more. It's a shame that pig is what that spells out. They're already heard of <laughs> Yeah. I know. Yeah. It's kind of a dick move. Mm-hmm. All right, well, thanks a lot, Jaleesa. That oh, was yeah. great. I appreciate it. And uh, Jordan, I gave you the 9 million page yeah. WAPO piece. Uh, <laughs> Considering we are a little bit, what are we at here? Oh, did mine? We're at, no, sorry. you're good. We're at an hour and five. Okay. Minutes. Yeah. Is yours still going? Yeah, yeah, they're all still going. You can't see it, but I can. It's oh. like, this is in the way. No, but the time. Yeah, the yeah, time. Yeah. We can cut this out. <laughs> but the time went to four minutes. Hmm. But it was, it was Maybe ticking it's... with everything. Yeah, yeah. That's so weird. It's fine. Yeah, we'll have to figure it out. It's or definitely recording, scenario, and you didn't you didn't press anything just now, so mm-hmm. I don't know why. Move your uh, when she's talking, move yours over so that she can. Oh, just in case something yeah. weird happened. Yeah, yeah. We uh, might we might be. Fine, <laughs> just okay. just piggyback yeah. them there. All right, you got two mics, babe. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. All right, so so uh, Jordan, I I wanted you to read this. Um, gosh, this amazing Washington Post piece. It had three or four authors. It had fifty different sources. Uh, Miller was one of the main guys. Uh, and I saw him uh, pop up on the Rachel Maddow show, and I said, I really want to cover this article, so take it away. Yeah, it was a great article. Um, I think we should, we'll link it in the comments so everyone can, you know, read along. But it's entitled, Doubting the Intelligence, Trump Pursues Putin and Leaves a Russian Threat Unchecked. So this was a really great article by the Washington Post just about... Essentially, what it means that Trump has kind of been denying all of these allegations against Russia and them colluding, uh, or not colluding, I'm sorry, <laughs> buzzword there, uh, <laughs> them interfering in the 2016 elections. And I'm just going to go over, this, this article covers so much, there's a lot of interesting anecdotes that are in there, um, a lot of really... There are people that contributed to this article that are really big names, people that I did not think... Are you going to talk about the bathroom? The, yes, when he goes into okay, the bathroom. Cool, because yeah. that's like my favorite part. Fiona of the Hill. Oh, yeah. The Fiona I Hill thing. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. It's great. The, okay. There's just yeah, what is there's about so... this administration and piss, but yeah. it's just a whole thing. <laughs> it's a theme. Well, apparently, yeah, we'll go over it. But cool. but yeah. So essentially, um, nearly a year into his presidency, Trump continues to reject the evidence that Russia meddled in the 2016 elections, um, and. What makes this very peculiar is that their meddling, you know, largely worked to his favor. So, essentially, people are coming away from this first year kind of just with the idea that uh, knowing Donald Trump and knowing that he is a super hothead and he's someone that you have to curate how you're delivering information to Mm -hmm. him and he's very easily offended and his ego is very easily hurt, that his entire basis, potentially, for denying the truth about Russia meddling in the elections is that it would mean that he would have to in part concede to the idea that it was not just him and his own charisma Which and I intelligence that led to yeah, him winning gonna... the election. Yeah. Um, it's funny until you think about the fact that, you know, this article points out his own insecurities are now impairing the government's response to a huge national security threat. And 
it's not funny at all. It's really scary. Yeah. And this article talks about what you mentioned before, how some of his, uh, one of his aides says that this guy's, that Donald Trump's top three favorite people is the president of China, president of Turkey, and Putin. And he <laughs> has this, like, reverence for authoritarian figures that is really scary. And it doesn't even make, he's just, yeah, I'll just continue here. But basically that's the moral of this um, entire article. So, let's see here. Okay. Um, before he was, while he was, uh, while this information was coming out that there was evidence that Russia had been involving themselves in the 2016 elections in ways that were, you know, not okay and essentially undermining our democracy as a whole, aides in his inner circle were saying that they tried to get him to admit this fact publicly, but that he became agitated and scoffed at the idea that his candidacy was a result of anything but his own strategy and personality every time they would try to get him to do it. So these are people in his inner circle that have admitted in this article that he has not convened a single cabinet-level meeting yet to even talk about this. It is an issue that he just refuses to address. He doesn't want to see it. He doesn't want to talk about it. And it really, there's some... This is how his ego could be a a great danger to to not just... well. National security. Yes. And I think, I'm glad you said ego, because that's largely what I'd like to point out, are just instances of his ego just being so If you at all question the legitimacy of his election, which admitting Russian interference existed would do, Mm -hmm. he flips the fuck out. Yeah. And for the people that listen to our podcast, too, that are very conservative and... Maybe you're not the ones that are on there being very aggressive and scary <laughs> and misogynistic with your comments about how awful we are. Come on, John's a thing. <laughs> yeah. Wait, 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 wait. Are you telling me there are people on the right who leave misogynistic, sexist comments yeah, against progressive liberal yeah, people it's really they disagree scary. with? Oh, yeah. What, what? I don't understand. Why would <laughs> yeah. someone do that? Yes. It's a mystery. What? So... For, for Fuck all... you in the heart. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, God. Wow. Yeah. Well, at least they said hearts. That could have gone way worse. Yeah. We should make t-shirts that say that. Yeah. yeah. But for all the people that are listening that are still conservative and still for some reason are supporting Donald Trump, just like, I would like you all to just focus on this fact that he is literally letting something as just fickle as his ego and conception of himself as being right, period, allow him to affect our national strategy, our national security strategy. And that's terrifying. It doesn't matter what ideology it falls, you know, what side it falls on. It's terrifying. And I would just think you would have some sort of investment in the legitimacy of our government before you would blindly support this guy. But whatever. You're like, nope. Whatever. (laughs) I digress. Nope, I checked. He's got an R next to his name. That's the end of my Exactly. (laughs) And that's very sad. Um, Okay, so... Whenever I argue with Republicans, I like to say, but you digress. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the demon rats. I thought it was yes. a typo. Oh, um, no, no, that's their thing. They're, they, 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 it's just dad jokes that they think are really cre- clever. Democrats, more like demoncrats. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Liberals, more like liberal retard. Libtard, I did it! I'm the greatest intellectual in the modern conservative era. Yeah, it's a smart word. Um, but... So just just last month, uh, Trump has said that 
it's an asset to the world and to our country to have Russia as a friend. So he's sticking with this narrative a lot. People are just like, dude, there's so much coming out that they're saying, dude. That's, just that's let go saying. of Russia. Yeah, there's so, much, there's so much coming out that they clearly have acted in ways that are unfavorable to the very fabric of our entire democracy. Mm-hmm. And you he just keeps friends. saying. Yeah, and there's multiple reasons. So this article points out how there's um, some people on his uh, team, for example, that thought it would be a good idea for us to be close with Russia and remain close with Russia. Uh, because when the impending uh, resource, his name is, let's see here, Michael. Oh, I'm sorry, I'm getting lost. I'll find his There's name. There's a lot of There's so much too, stuff. Then. Yeah, basically saying we should. Russia is so resource dense that when the world runs out of resources, we should be close with Russia. So that's one reason. <laughs> that's one conceivable reason, yeah. I guess, why people are saying that we should. Stick with them. Right, and if I'll cut in, as yeah. if you talk to Obama administration officials, every the, their typical whataboutism is like, oh, so when the liberals do it, it's great, but when we do it, well, as Ben Rhodes and other national security-affiliated uh, Obama officials said, when we did it, our focus was American interests first, not what you're doing, which is basically surrendering everything, including American sovereignty, for the fact that he might cooperate on something you like. Right. It's terrifying. It's really scary to me. Um, What's a bathroom thing? Yeah. (laughs) But, okay, so we'll get to it. What Trump officials are saying, um, they defend Trump's approach and say their policies have been tougher than Obama's when it comes to dealing with Russia. They're saying that they're, uh, they're like, yeah, just look at, you know, how we're treating what's going on in, in Ukraine, we're being so much tougher than Obama was, and it, which is ironic because right now they're, like, Trump is pretty much refusing to talk about this idea of sending arms to Ukraine, to which Mattis is saying we should absolutely back anybody that's an enemy to a potential enemy for us, which would be Russia. But mm-hmm. Trump refuses to just have a fucking opinion on that. So Not to mention all controversy that went on during the campaign about, again, this is part of Mueller's possible investigation to the extent it might come up, was changing the platform at the, to, RNC. At the RNC to be much softer on, on Ukraine. Yeah. So this is something, I, 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 what's, it's crazy that all of this is really out in the open, and you don't even have to look very hard to find mm-hmm. it. It's really, it's the denial of this being a thing is either one of two things, ignoring pretty much all the evidence, or going, it doesn't matter, yes. it's all in the name of Trump making America exactly. great. Exactly. Let's just, whatever he did, it, to them, their, 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 our de- defense has kind of come down to the point of, well, it doesn't matter if he did because it stopped Hillary Clinton the from being exactly. The ends justify yeah. the means. Trump exactly. works in mysterious And that's ways. what's so great about this article is that you have names coming out that are big names that are pro-Trump people that are saying things that are very, like, it. it's... Everybody, there are so many people that are just like, this is ridiculous. For example, what you were saying before, AG, they're, like, when they're giving him his briefings, they literally leave out, like, really important national security information, some of these people are saying in this article, because they need to mo- they need to curate how he's going to react, because they know he freaks out at things. They leave it out of the verbal, uh, they, ri- they put it exactly, in the Exactly, exactly. So, also, there was the article earlier this year that said they put his name throughout the document, because that will make him read it. I mean, it's basically <laughs> like how I get my dog to take medicine. They put his na- the name is the peanut Slices butter that they... Cheese, yeah. The name is the peanut butter they put on the pills for him to swallow. Trump... Oh, yeah, it's, yeah, it's it's awful. And it's, it's like, there's so many... The message that this is sending to the Kremlin is very dangerous, because essentially, this has been a huge success for Russia. If they're going completely, you know, any sanctions that the Obama era has brought on, Trump and his team are largely trying to, you know, diminish those. They're talking Mm -hmm. about um, just, you know, trying to pull away from, like, 
right now we didn't we what are they how does it pronounce dakas the two buildings that are russian officials and politicians were allowed to be in a russian embassy yeah the two embassies yeah they call them there's like some word in russian that's that means like country house yeah it means like country house is like a fond word for a place where they can be and the trump team (laughs) is saying you know like kind of just give them back and people are like no we're not going to give them back unless putin like does these things that will ensure that they're not going to be getting you know intelligence against the u.s and committing espionage in those buildings yeah they want to give those back they haven't they haven't imposed the sanctions that trump reluctantly signed uh they're they have to be imposed by january it took him four days to sign yeah (laughs) they talk about that in this article it took trump four days to sign the sanctions that were so incredibly backed by the entirety of congress and what got him to sign essentially was one of his aides being like if you don't sign this congress will 100 percent overrule you and you're gonna look weak yeah and he's like oh i'm not gonna look weak (laughs) then he signs it what a weird conundrum for him because he's promised this yes uh and now he can't and so he's like to enforce it, I guess. Yeah. So things Russia uh, has not gotten from meddling in the 2016 elections yet. So while the uh, annexation of Crimea from Ukraine uh, remains unrecognized and sanctions regarding Ukraine are still in place and more penalties have been uh, doled out to them and more sanctions, here's what Russia did get. For an operation to meddle in the United States election that cost them less than $500,000, some people are estimating. Wow. Russia has one completely destabilized U.S. democracy, essentially. That's a good investment in many ways. Yes, America must have been having a going out of business sale to get Yeah, yeah. yeah. 33% yeah. must go. No, it's that's yeah. <laughs> yeah, the White House is turning into like a big lots for fucking Yeah. Florida. Just and take out the L and yeah, you're right. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Not my joke. Can't remember where big I heard that. Can't remember Everyone. where I heard that from. <laughs> Oh, okay, that's okay. That's, that's, that's a San fine. Diego comic. I can't remember who, but okay. very clever. All right, good. Well, and then they're listening. Yeah, they, yeah. they won't be upset. Please number... tweet at us at <laughs> she wrote if you wrote that joke. Yes. Yes. Um, and, and then number two, they prevented Hillary Clinton from getting in the office, who Putin absolutely despises. Yeah, so, he really doesn't like her. Pretty good investment for them, and it looks like they're not going to have to face much, at least nothing that Trump is going to right, do. And, right, and, and his and. Putin isn't being investigated. Well, I guess the cyber terrorism or counterterrorism. Well, there are two things. There's the Mueller investigation to the extent it's a criminal investigation. And then there's the House investi- House and Senate investigations, which are the way Susan Collins differentiated it is Mueller's looking into criminality. We're looking into intelligence. We're looking into how this affected the country and what we do to uh, prevent it in the future. I mean, right. that's what they say. What they're doing is totally different. But that's so Putin the- should have consequences. Well... Yeah, but you, he, if the Intelligence Committee finds things, they can put up more sanctions, and then the president can just choose to not enforce them because yeah. that's mm. hard and inconvenient. Yeah, in, in the beginning of his presidency, he's surrounding himself with aides and advisors that reinforce his support for Russia, and then as Flynn gets taken down and he starts getting more flack and press around his obsession with Putin, <laughs> he starts putting in, you know, more people are in that are a little bit more skeptical of Russia. So, for example, Flynn is replaced by H.R. McMaster. McMaster? Yep. Yeah. Right? Okay. My handwriting is down. So. <laughs> um, and so then McMaster later on finds a little bit of a friend in Fiona Hill, who A.G. mentioned, who is the um, top advisor on Russia. Um for the National Security mm-hmm. Council, right? That's what it is. Uh, foreign policy? No, foreign? National Security. Yeah. Um, okay, and this is... <laughs> Fiona Apple. Yes. <laughs> That's a funny name. It's like Shrek or something. Yeah. <laughs> Fiona Hill. So so Fiona Hill is in, in there with 
Trump and his team, and the first interaction Fiona Hill has with Donald Trump, they're in the Oval Office about to go on a call uh, with Putin about Syria, I believe it was, and Fiona's trying to, she hands, uh, or Donald Trump hands Fiona a memo that he had marked up and asked her to retype it up, thinking that she's a member of the clerical staff. That's hilarious. And Fiona apparently looked at him with, a, like, a blank stare. Yeah, just a confused, like, are you fucking kidding me right now? Yeah. Walks out of the office, and then Trump, taking that as a action of insubordination, makes McMaster go out, and he tells him to Yell scold. Yeah, to scold wow. her. And he does. Yeah. And he does, he goes out and he scolds her, and then now, after those interactions and a couple of other ones of her dissenting, I suppose, now people are thinking that they're just willing to, like, work with each other because he has this, you know, just issue with her just on an ego level. So, it's, yeah. it's all ego, basically, is what I've learned from this article. Another and, thing, yeah. Yeah, people... No, that wasn't the bathroom story I was thinking of. Oh, yeah, sorry. Okay, the bathroom, the bathroom, yeah. Um, the bathroom story. So they're talking, this is with Merkel, when they're talking about um, Merkel is going to come over and they're briefing Trump on some issues that she's likely going to bring up. And yeah. one of them was to pressure him, and not even pressure, just be like, hey, you should support NATO probably. <laughs> just yeah, a little bit more. Maybe was, support NATO, yeah. why not, like all the other <laughs> yeah. past presidents? Yeah. It's scary that you have to pressure an American president to support NATO. <laughs> yes, and, if, and also Trump has been like, Flipping back and forth, really, on, you know, public support for NATO, and Bannon was a big part of trying to get him to audit a country's NATO. NATO. Yeah. Hates NATO. Yeah. So, so they're NATO all involves there. cooperation. That's, that's answering to well, liberal all, sissy stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Well, they're all sitting there, and they're briefing him, and he gets up from his desk, Trump gets up from his desk and goes, there's a bathroom adjacent, to, there's a bathroom in the Oval Office, like, like you know. And he leaves the door open, and he's pissing, and he says out of the door, he's like, keep talking, I'm listening, just raise your voice. Yeah. Who's he talking to? The Everybody that's briefing, briefing him. on him yeah. on Angela Merkel. Wow. Yeah. Uh, he's like, talk over my piss. I, like, raise your voice. That's something yeah. I would do. See, I get really mad when I see commonalities between me and Trump, but I also <laughs> shouldn't be president. It's like, you know. Yeah. I mean, I think what the takeaway from that is, is it's a... Perhaps this is me overextending my feminism here, but mm-hmm. he has his reverence for the president of China, the president of Turkey, Putin, mm-hmm. and the second they're talking about someone, I'm not even saying it's because she's a woman. He was going to tell her, you know, to support, to tell him to support NATO and right, right. and being talk about issues he just didn't want to talk about. And he gets agitated. These aides report in this article. He got agitated just at what they were talking about, and he just literally stands up in the middle of a briefing mm-hmm. and goes and pisses in a fucking bathroom mm-hmm. and tells them to raise their voice keep and keep talking. talking. Yeah. And it's just I don't like, need to give this my full attention. Exactly, and it's, it's scary. All of it is just so—it's yeah. all just so scary. And um, I think my takeaway, really, from reading this article, which has so much more information, just about why he refuses to admit publicly that Russia did this, and mm-hmm. um, much more is. It would ultimately mean he would have to concede that he didn't win the election all on his own, and that is... Which it doesn't mean, and it's just so dumb that he thinks that. Like, Well, he's so dumb. Uh, yeah. yeah. It's just so childish. It really is. Wow, well, thanks, Jordan. And, and yeah, I would, I would highly recommend anybody read that. Yeah, um, very long, but very worth, very worth the read. 
I came away with a different understanding, I think, of Donald Trump and what motivates him a little bit after reading that article. It's all winning for him, right? That's all that matters? Is that what... Ego protection. Yeah, and easily swayed. Very, very, very easily swayed by people around him, There was an article in the 2016 election that says his opinion will be the last person who talked to him. Wow. Wow. Mm -hmm. I want to talk to him. All right. Well, guys... We're getting close here to the end, and I want to hand this over to Jordan Parker, who I invited on specifically to talk about uh, Mueller's investigation, the scope, his jurisdiction, what statute he is uh, under uh, as special counsel, and uh, just, uh, you know, all those uh, sorts of legal things. So, because we had a lot of questions on our page about, you know, the legalities, and and people weren't sure. So, I guess maybe we could start by talking about... um, uh, what Mueller, what Mueller can and can't do? Do you want to start there? Sure. Uh, thanks for having me on. I appreciate the opportunity to look into this. What I was most surprised with was how, despite following this pretty obsessively, how little, how so much more there is to know about this. Because a lot of this goes under the radar. Journalists are not attorneys. They don't brief you on these kind of things. But this is all very interesting, very relevant. So let's go to the primary source material. The original DOJ order issued in May of this year titled Appointment of Special Counsel to Investigate Russian Interference with the 2016 Presidential Election and Related Matters. And as the order says, Special Counsel is authorized to conduct the investigation confirmed by then-FBI Director James Comey in testimony before the House Permanent Select Committee on Intelligence on March 20, 2017, including, and this is the scope of his investigation. One, any links and or coordination between the Russian government and individuals associated with the campaign of President Donald Trump. Two, any matters that arose or may arise directly from the investigation. That's very key. So that means that doesn't matter if he's if he's looking into the Russian government interference and he finds something else out of that, that like, say, money laundering or who knows, something that's not directly related, he can investigate that based on the language here. And number three, any matters within the scope of 28 CFR, that's Code of Federal Regulations, subsection 600.4A. Now, what is that? <laughs> Well, that means... You know. I do know. 600.4A. Hashtag. So essentially, the jurisdiction of that... Looking to that statute, jurisdiction of a special counsel shall include the authority to investigate and prosecute federal crimes committed in the course of and with intent to interfere with the special counsel's investigation, such as perjury, obstruction of justice, destruction of evidence, and intimidation of witness, and to conduct appeals arising out of the matter investigated and or prosecuted. It's like a Trump to-do list. That's right. And And finally, if the special counsel believes it is necessary and appropriate, the special counsel is authorized to prosecute federal crimes arising from the investigation of these matters. So what does this mean? Uh, one of the challenges in researching this is the special counsel statute is relatively new. Uh, there was a whole regime beforehand, which I'll go through a little later, but this was a law that came into effect during the Clinton administration and replaced the old laws. Now, under that, uh, there are certain rules for governing when you can have a special counsel, what they can do, and so forth. So under the, under the law, the attorney general, or in case this case, acting attorney general, since he was recused, may appoint a special counsel only in specific situations. And that must be that, one, that investigation or prosecution of that person or matter by a U.S. attorney's office or litigating division of the Department of Justice would present a conflict of interest for the department or other extraordinary circumstances. And under the circumstances, it'd be in the public interest to appoint a special counsel, outside special counsel, to assume responsibility for the matter. That means Rose, that that means that uh, Sessions had to recuse himself for what was a conflict of interest. That was his contradictory statements. So 
Rosenstein determined it was in the public interest, because this is a national security matter and possibly other criminal matter, to appoint an outside special counsel. That was his basis for doing that. Now, when you're going into the powers of him, Mueller, his Mueller, sorry, just learned it's Mueller, not That's Mueller. Right, yeah. <laughs> Mueller, he, as a, he is empowered with all the power of a U.S. attorney who has the power to investigate criminal activity. Now, in his job, uh, Mueller and his staff can interview witnesses, subpoena documents, and if the evidence merits it, work with the Bureau to bring criminal charges. He cannot bring civil charges, and this is also key, if he wants to expand the scope of his ex investigation, he must get approval from the uh, acting attorney general. That's what was being questioned at the hearing. Has he had to ask anything that was not already in the scope here? So that that's important there. So he, like as they're saying, he has the typical powers of the U.S. attorney. Now this and this is sort of key to what we're going to talk about later, which is can the president be indicted? It's a well, it depends. So when it comes to as special counsel, he is governed by the rules, regulations, procedures, practices of the DOJ, meaning. U.S. Attorney. He's governed by the laws that govern the Department of Justice and the U.S. Attorney. And uh, this is also key. Special counsel shall not be subject to the day-to-day -day supervision of any official of the department. However, special the Attorney General may ask for updates, and they may have exchanged information. And if, for example, special counsel wants to take a take a uh, path that he that the Attorney General believes is outside the scope of it, he can overrule him and stop him from doing that. And those have to be brought to him first before they're investigated. They have to be brought to the deputy or acting attorney general. That's right. In fact, special counsel and his staff may be disciplined for misconduct or breach of ethical duties, same, uh, same rules as DOJ. Inquiries for all of those matters must be brought to the attorney general. Mm -hmm. So he is technically uh, under the AG, but the AG is not supposed to be micromanaging, only coming in when it's when it matters. Now, this a lot of people ask, what is the basis for removal? Why? How can Mueller be removed? That's very clearly mentioned in the in the statute. Special counsel may be disciplined or removed from office only by the personal by personal action of the attorney general. So only Rosenstein can fire him. And if he keeps Doesn't getting, sound if, like he's going to. But if uh, Trump fired him, then the next person in line would be the acting attorney general, and so forth and so forth. So the Attorney General may remove a special counsel for, and this is key, misconduct, dereliction of duty, incapacity, conflict of interest, or for other good cause, including violation of departmental policies. The Attorney General shall inform the special counsel in writing of the specific reason for his or her removal. And if you look to that, you'll understand why the text messages are being leaked the way they are. They understand why there's all this conversation that he can't be trusted and that's why they are using the words conflicts of interest, even like he was the FBI director during their uranium deal that we all, that is anyone who isn't a partisan Republican knows is nonsense. And they are building up that case. So then the person who will fire him, if they do, which I think they will, will be able to say conflict of interest and cite this. Now, lastly on all this. Yeah, conflict of interest is kind of broad and vague. So. It is very broad and vague. It is very broad and vague. And, uh, that it'll be up to the acting AG to But explain. I would assume that they would hire uh, another, because uh, you do have to replace that special counsel. The investigation doesn't just stop. And then you would have well, you would have reason to investigate uh, that firing as an obstruction of justice. Right, but a lot of this are political remedies that requires usually either the Department of Justice or the Congress to actually stand up. And there's a question to what extent they will. Mm -hmm. And uh, lastly, and this is important, uh, the Attorney General, and this, this plays into can the President be indicted and what is Mueller's likely course of action. So, Attorney General must notify the Chairman and Ranking Minority Member of the Judiciary Committees of each Congress 
upon the occurrence of each of these actions. Appointing a special counsel, which was that order we, we talked about, upon removing any special counsel, and upon conclusion of the investigation, including description and explanations of instances about uh, proposed action, meaning anything, and if they want to go further, then that's their recommendations to Congress. That's where, that's where that goes. So uh, I, with that, I also want to go into uh, in things that are important about a U.S. attorney's power, which is what he has. Now, I'm a civil litigator uh, when I was, well, I'm not practicing at the moment, but when I, I have five years of practice, and when I was, there are certain rules about civil that are completely different from criminal, so to the extent that there are some differences, there may be some gaps, but this is my understanding based on reading some of the DOJ internal regulations and U.S. attorney powers. So, we talked about Deutsche Bank. Deutsche Bank, the president's lawyer said, said they didn't subpoena my records or anything related to me. They are lying. And a lot of people will go, oh, well, he denied it, so that's all I need to do. But what's, this, is where it come, this is where it's important. This is where it's different, civil between, uh, between civil and criminal cases. If I subpo I've subpoenaed bank records before in many cases. When I do that, California has strong constitutional privacy laws. I have to give, it is my job, not just the job of the bank to regulate it but I, and notify their customers, but I have to notify them that I'm getting their records. They have to have an opportunity to oppose. They have to have an opportunity to kill the subpoena. They have to have an opportunity to modify it to make it or demand that it is redacted, all their personal information, so forth. They have He's to, not subject to that, though, right? He is not. This is the difference with criminal law. When it's a criminal investigation under U.S. Code, 12 U.S. Code 3413I, for anyone who cares to look this up, when financial... <laughs> yeah, they call it an I. Uh, they call them I. Oh. There's, they have a nickname for them. I-forms, I think. I can't remember. But, uh, so when financial records are subpoenaed by a grand jury subpoena, which, if, uh, as we know, Mueller has impaneled a grand jury, so he has a right to ask them to indict. That's where Manafort and uh, uh, indictment came from. So when you are in a criminal investigation, you've subpoenaed documents pursuant to a grand jury subpoena, a court may, in its discretion, order the financial institution not to tell the customer his records have been subpoenaed. And they have to show a good cause for that. Now, that refers to another statute where, so a court may, uh, on a revolving 90-day periods, grant a delayed notice if they can show there's good cause that you should not tell the customer his records are being taken or being sought. And good cause is defined as follows. There's a reason to believe that such notice will result in, A, endangering the life or physical safety of any person, flight from prosecution, destruction of or tampering with evidence, intimidation of potential witnesses, or otherwise seriously jeopardizing an investigation or official proceeding, or unduly delaying a trial or ongoing official proceeding to the same extent as the circumstances described above. Well, it seems simple then. They, he, he did subpoena Deutsche Bank's records. He uh, ordered uh, Deutsche Bank not to reveal he had subpoenaed the records. And uh, that's and, and because there was a, a danger of him finding out about it and just, just destroying evidence, right? So, I mean, that seems kind of straightforward to me. Mm -hmm. And this is sort of the problem we have with, a lo with they're not legal journalists out there. So I got this from a tip from, a from an email a lawyer sent to a blog that I followed up on it. So most people wouldn't really look into this this kind of thing. And they'll just say, well, he said they didn't hear, so what reason do we have to doubt them? And this is where, where it matters, not just for a criminal subpoena and what its difference is, but a grand jury subpoena. Now, if I subpoena, AG, if I subpoenaed your bank records, I would have to tell you ahead of time and give you a right to challenge it. The difference with criminal subpoenas from a grand jury, a grand jury subpoena, is you have no standing to challenge that subpoena. Standing is you have a right to go to court and demand a remedy. You have zero standing to challenge a criminal subpoena 
by a grand jury. The reason is, is that legislatively, the history of grand jury subpoenas is they are sacrosanct in their secrecy. You're supposed to look at these confidential information yeah. to decide whether you're going to indict somebody. That's the whole point. You're protecting them from being influenced. You're protecting them from all kinds of things. Certain things that may not come to you as a final jury, you get to see, as I understand, in the grand jury. That's why you have no right to challenge it. You may, ch If they sought that later in trial, that might be different. But when you're getting the grounds for indictment, they have no basis to challenge that. And that's because otherwise everyone would do that to inhibit criminal investigations. Right. So this is different from what we were chatting about, uh, which is this week's sabotage, by the way. Uh, it has just come out that roughly 10,000 emails uh, were obtained by the Mueller investigation. Every Pretty much every single email... Uh, when, when, when somebody's elected president and they form their presidential transition team, uh, the, what was it, the OGA, uh, GSA? GSA? GSA. General Services, General Services Administration. Administration, Administration sets up uh, and hosts an email server for your team because you're not whitehouse.gov yet because you're not elected. So they set up a, a PPT.gov or PTT, presidential transition team.gov email for, for, and, uh, for everyone. And there were, I think, 12 people on this transition team uh, in the Trump administration, and Mueller obtained all their emails. Uh, and so now, how this is different with the Deutsche Bank subpoenas, because they are, you, you said, they can't appeal, they don't get a chance. We aren't really clear, maybe, on the rules about him, uh, uh, Mueller, obtaining these 10,000 emails, the legality of it, and if this is just a discovery issue, that's something that they can maybe, you know, challenge or redact or appeal. Uh, versus these Deutsche Bank uh, subpoenas, which you don't get to know about, and tough shit. Right. Uh, a lot of this, a lot of the challenge here is you can't really buy what's coming out of the White House. This is, uh, you know, ironically enough, there's a lot of similarities between Nixon's lawyers and Trump's lawyers in terms of what they said. They both of them believe they have the right to shut down a special counsel, or in their case, special <laughs> prosecutor's office. This is the chief law enforcement. Uh, officer, he can do whatever he wants besides um, national security. So and therefore fuck he, off. they can't be obstructionists. They can't commit obstruction of justice, right? They both right. thought that too. Right now, I grew uh, up learning about like separation of powers and checks and balances. Like, what happened to that? <laughs> like, we, we learned it. We learned it's the honor system, and the honor system nobody follows. That's the thing. Mm. Our all of our norms that have been degraded are honor system. Simply, presidents had shame that said, "Let's not do this," and Trump does not. He has no shame. This is, he doesn't have the basic sense of duty or, or loyalty or honor that most presidents have. He didn't come in with an understanding of the gravity of the office or that he serves the people he didn't elect. So, so I, uh, I, know, we, I know we've been going on a little bit, so let me, uh, what, what, I, I can try to shorten some of the discussion on other issues. I assume you probably want to know, can the president be indicted? Yeah, yeah and, and, and my understanding, and we've talked about this in, in previous weeks, is that there's a couple different things Mueller can do. He can either indict the president, or he can prepare a report and give it to Congress and leave it up to Congress, or he can wait until the president's no longer the president and then indict him. Uh, and those are kind of his options. Uh, and then the question came up, can you indict a sitting president? One's never been indicted before, and I think, I think the answer is that... It, it, he can, and we would just have to litigate that for the first time and see how it turned out, because it would probably end up in the Supreme Court, and then it would be up to them. Uh, and then we would have precedent, but we just don't right now. Right. What the 
the majority view is no, he cannot be indicted. And this, this is the, lot, the rationale behind it, is the only place that impeachment is really referred to, in the, or with this issue is referred to in the Constitution, Article 1, Section 3, Clause 7, which says, judgment in cases of impeachment shall not extend further than the removal from office and disqualification to hold and enjoy any office of honor, trust, or profit under the United States. But the party convicted shall nevertheless be liable and subject to indictment, trial, judgment, and punishment according to law. Now, constitutional scholars are opining on this, and their view of it is that's implicit. You're implying that you have to be impeached, convicted before you can be indicted because you enjoy certain immunities. Impeachment first. Impeachment first or leave office first. And that's the view, that's the view of Yale Law Professor Akhil Amar. He says that read that uh, read that immunity implicitly then you're not supposed to be able to get after the president until he's gone or the sole remedy is impeachment first and his basis for that is on two occasions 1973 and 2000 justice department olc office legal counsel adopted the position that no you cannot indict a sitting president and that the only that the only remedy is impeachment and this is and th and this is another point that uh professor amar makes about this is presidents, they're just different from, say, other people like judges or congressmen who are indicted. He says, quote, if you're going to undo a national election, the body that does that should have a national mandate. Even a federal prosecution would follow only from an indictment from a grand jury sitting in one locality. To give it, to give this a, as a kind of example of how this might work if, if to why it could be problematic to let a single district indict a president. Imagine in 2012, in 2013, an Alabama grand jury was gathered and said that Obama's birth certificate was fake and that the election should be overturned. You could probably find somebody there who would indict him and believe that, and that could create an enormous amount of chaos. And I know that's sort of looking at it from the other end, but you kind of, when you look at the law, you have to look at what would happen if someone with the worst bad faith, you know, you have to imagine what would the worst faith person do? How could this disrupt things? And uh, that's, so yeah, even when uh, in Nixon, uh, grand uh, Vice President Agnew, he was facing a federal grand jury investigation that he eventually, eventually led to his resignation in 1973. His position was, you can't indict me, I'm immune from prosecution while in office. That was never tested, he resigned. And this is, and this is pretty, much, pretty much the majority view. Uh, and, but if you want to talk about the actual special counsel doc, uh, law, there, this is the big difference to why I unfortunately agree you cannot indict the president because special counsel is governed by a statute that says you are governed by department regulations. Department regulations are OLC. OLC said you can't indict the president. In a memo. In a memo, but that's controlling. God damn it. These are controlling. Now, you could try. You could try and say that that's nonsense. Litigate it. You, you can, can litigate it. Litigate. All, law, all law is in flux until somebody litigates it. That's, mm -hmm. that's the truth. But uh, the big difference, the big difference is when you look back at the people who said, yes, you can indict the president, the second Watergate prosecutor argued in court that, yes, you can indict the president, and so did Ken Starr. The big difference, though, is Starr was operating under a different statute, and the Watergate prosecutor, that was a deal made with the attorney, with the attorney general of what the scope of your investigation meant. Mm -hmm. With the old statute, it was called Ethics and Government Act. It was in response to Watergate, and it was very explicit that you, this attorney general has not only a, he has a duty to investigate potential crimes of the president, vice president, and other executive officers, and other and so forth. So there was a very specific mandate that you're supposed to look into this, and that's where some people were citing, like Ken Starr, that that's your basis for being able to indict 
However, that law expired, so now we've got the special counsel statute, which makes very clear you're governed by department regulations. And if department regulations say... You can't indict the president. Impeachment is first. That's right. That's but right. But impeachment is up to the House of Representatives, uh, which is right now a Republican majority. Right. So that's 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 what I found based on looking into it. The minority view is that the president can be indicted. It's just never been tested in court. When when I like uh, that one because I'm afraid if Mueller puts together a report and gives it to Congress, it's going to go nowhere. Right. But uh, the, it sounds like the only the only viable legal uh, remedy here is that somebody fires Mueller, and that leads to impeachment. Yeah. Uh, which would just be history repeating. Well, we get enough people in the House next year that could. It's hard. Well, to, it's going to be hard it. to flip the House. We're like sixty-seven seats down, man. It's going to well, be really hard. Well, no, no, no. You have to pick up thirty seats because remember, you add thirty, then subtract thirty. So. It's a, it's a, they'd need a swing of about, I think, 35 seats, uh, last I counted. Okay. Something around there. Uh, it just looks bigger it's when you really look It's really hard, it. though, because of it redistricting is. and Project Red Map that happened in 2010 after the census. Uh, for example, the huge swing, in a 32-point swing in, in Alabama for Senate uh, that elected Doug Jones would have only uh, elected same votes, same districts, would have elected one out of seven congressmen, congressmen people. Right. Uh, so that... Get in the house. Really I think the yeah. Senate's within reach, but the House is really hard. And the House is where impeachment happens. And yeah. so, uh, yeah. I, you know, I don't, I don't know where this is going. Um, but just putting a report together and giving it to Congress. Yeah. Unfortunately, that's that's what the statute seems to call for. That's mm-hmm. as I mentioned, you have to give a special counsel's report. You have to brief them. The whole point is this is uh, it's meant to cover that and. Uh, I know we've been going on a bit, but I, that actually is a good transition to what what happens if he fire what happens if he gets fired. That's if what I was going to say because there's a rumor out right now that that Trump is going to fire a Mueller on December 22nd, and can the president fire the special counsel? The president himself cannot. The, right. He must find a department, the highest law enforcement officer, attorney general, deputy attorney general, whoever is leading this. In this case, Rosenstein and everyone below him. He must order him to fire to fire Mueller, but it also must be based on the reasons we described, like Mm -hmm. conflict of interest or so forth. And it's interesting because there's a lot of, I I looked into this and there's a lot of more parallels with Watergate than you would expect. It's way too long to go into all of it, but to just give it a very, very short, what happened was uh, Nixon's attorney general resigned in disgrace in connection to Watergate. His secretary of defense was made attorney general. He promised to appoint a special prosecutor as condition for confirmation. Cox, a Democrat who supported Meg McGovern, was brought in. Nixon pretended this was fine in his memoir. He said, uh, if he was looking for someone, for the, specifically for the man I trusted least, he could hardly have done better. And in that case, he could only be removed for extraordinary improprieties. And what had happened was, as, as this was going on, they got closer and closer to... We got closer and closer to Nixon. It was found out through the Senate that Nixon had private tapes. So Cox battled him for months to try to get those tapes. And you had Nixon, and this is where the parallels come in. You have Nixon's attorney arguing before a dr- uh, judge that executive privilege is absolute. Nixon's the only person who can decide which tapes to release. National Security, Trump's disclosure, he's the president. He can shut down the press- special prosecutor's office, have all this dismissed. Judge said, fuck off. Nixon <laughs> said, I will not comply. They appealed, Nixon lost. And then shortly thereafter, White House counsel John Dean pled guilty to conspiracy to obstruct justice and agreed to cooperate. 
It was getting very close to the president. So October 20th. He's the, he's the Mike Flynn of, of what? He's the Mike Flynn. So what happened was Saturday Night Night Massacre, October 20th, 1973, he, president ordered Nixon, uh, Nixon ordered Richardson, his AG, to fire Cox. Richardson said, no, I promised Congress I wouldn't. So he resigned. Deputy, second in line, guy with an unpronounceable last name, William Ruckelshaus, ordered him, deputy. He said, no, I promise not to interfere. So he resigned. Third in command, Solicitor General Robert Bork, famous for Borking, if any of you follow mm-hmm. judicial confirmation hearings. That's right. He was going. He promised to fire, to fire him, but was going to resign. AG said, please stay. We need you to hold on, to hold the fort. So he carried out the final order, and that was a Saturday Night Massacre. It gets even more fucked up. What happened was the president ordered the AG's office and the deputy AG's office sealed and the special counsel's office sealed, literally sealed. They sent federal agents to close the doors. And uh, they and the press secretary said the office of the special prosecution force has been abolished as of approximately 8 p.m. tonight. Now, this is where it's relevant to now that at the time there was no political support for impeachment on the Hill. Democrats were saying, no, 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 let's not talk about this. There's nowhere near enough. And the public was pretty evenly divided, thinking this isn't really a big deal. This is they would if there was conservative media, they would have called it a witch hunt or right. been bored. What happened was the White House overplayed their hand. There were huge protests, massive calls for impeachment outside the White House. And from what I've read, about uh, somewhere between 50,000 to 450,000 telegrams and cables to the White House. Again, did a bunch of research before I got here, so it's hard to keep track based on newspapers of the time. But at that time, Congress began to openly discuss impeachment for the first time. Nixon, under pressure, ordered Bork to appoint Leon Jaworski to lead the probe, who a probe who was a conservative Democrat but was a was a Nixon supporter. And the kind of crap that that the kind of stuff that was just fine back then would never fly today. Cox being a Democrat, Jaworski being friends with LBJ, or being a Trump voter, he he was secretary. He was the treasurer of Democrats for Reagan in, uh, later in 1980. I mean, it's insane. Even with all of that possible partisanship, he was still able to do the job. He brought another subpoena for the tapes, and he's the one who argued United States v. Nixon. Now that's a Supreme Court case that came out in July '74 that held you cannot claim executive privilege to hide criminal activity. So at that point, he was forced to turn over his tapes. Fifteen days later, he announced his resignation, and that's what happened here. And what... that's super relevant today because those 10,000 emails, Trump is saying and Trump's lawyers are arguing that that violates executive privilege and Fourth Amendment search and seizure, illegal search and seizure. Uh, and they're actually questioning Mueller's uh, how he attained these emails. Right, like, like he like must he... have broken in there and stolen Like them. he'd make a mistake like that. Like, right. Um, so... But you can't um, claim executive privilege to to cover up criminal no, activity. So. It's, it's hard to keep track of what they're saying. They've said attorney-client privilege. I've heard some circles trying to claim executive privilege. The big thing is that they're claiming you should have got these documents from us. We didn't know about the subpoena. But when you're talking, at least from a civil perspective, if I get documents I'm not supposed to have that are privileged, what the offended party can do is ask the court for what's called a clawback, which is this should have never been disclosed. This is privileged information. We need them to return everything they've gotten and none of this that they've learned can be used in evidence. And a judge would decide. And a judge would decide. This isn't one of those things like he broke in there and took all these documents. This is, this is, this sounds like a discovery dispute. Mm -hmm. And, but of course, when you're not a lawyer, 
you you can easily and you're you know on the right and you're angry all the time. <gasps> it sounds it's, it's it's one of those things again. It always sounds worse, but this is the typical stuff that happens in discovery disputes. I've had to demand documents. This is what I do when I had to demand documents from a very stubborn person. I would ask them, and when I believe they were lying to me that these are not all the documents. I would go to the source and demand those documents. That way I could show if they were lying and by saying, oh, well, actually, you were supposed to give me these documents. Why didn't you give me these? Oh, uh, yeah, sorry. So that's how you can get sanctions against people. And and there's something in litigation called uh, terminating sanctions, which is pretty hard to get. But what a terminating sanctions is is when you have, for example, obstructed discovery so much on a particular issue that there's no other conclusion that you're guilty. Otherwise, why would you be obstructing this? Mm -hmm. And then you lose by default. That's how it works in civil. I don't believe that's how it works in criminal. But to understand the and uh, the parallels of this is that that's important. But uh, without going on going on too far, I want to make a quick reference to Clinton and uh, Cox and Clinton both. Sorry, Cox and the special uh, independent counsel under the Clinton administration. They both had very broad powers. Ken Starr. Ken Starr. That's right. It wasn't Starr first. It was this guy Robert Fisk, a, a, Attorney General Janet Reno, appointed him to investigate Whitewater, which and the and the death of White House counsel. Vincent Foster, guy who killed himself uh, in the park. Whitewater, really long, hard to explain. Basically, it was a failed land deal in the 70s and 80s that they that someone alleged that Bill Clinton illegally pressured somebody to make an illegal loan to this to this venture. That was essentially it. And they took that and they looked into everything under the sun, every kind of gate you can imagine: file gate, travel gate, all all kinds of gates that are not worth going into. So at a certain point, the special this independent counsel law uh, was reauthorized, and it destroyed the special prosecutor's office, replaced it with independent counsel, and then they reauthorized this Ethics in Government Act, which all of a sudden now created a conflict of interest for the uh, independent counsel, which was guy a moderate Republican named Robert Fisk. He was removed, and then Starr was was appointed by a three judge panel. So. At that point, he decided to broaden his investigation pretty far. He was getting everything under the sun. He even he could do the same thing. He could subpoena witnesses who had information. He could do interview people. He could bring charges. He had the power to do. Sounds like the scope was much broader than what. Yes, it was much broader, and it was operating under the statute Ethics in Government Act, which did allow uh, compel you to investigate the president and vice president. And the best I could understand is that's the difference when we talk about in his in his memos uh, in memos that were written for him that. Yes, you can indict the president. So what ended up happening with Starr is he requested his power to be broadened to include allegations that the president had an affair with an inter- with Monica Lewinsky, which in turn led eventually he was being sued by Paula Jones. He gave civil testimony in that case saying he did not have sexual relations with Monica Lewinsky as it was defined by the court. What ended up happening was they found that was false after the blue famous blue dress. For anyone too young to remember that, Monica Lewinsky held onto a dress with the president's jizz. <laughs> Sorry, I just just to remind us that Thank there you. still were crazy things back then. So what ended up what ended up happening, what ended up happening with all of this is uh, we know Clinton was impeached, but they could not get the two third, which means you get put on trial by the Senate. The Senate voted to acquit because they did not get two thirds vote, and in it, after that, Starr left, and Starr was replaced by. Some third guy, who cares? And then the probe was closed. So that's the that's the path of impeachment. Is the the House uh, has an impeachment trial, and then the Senate has to vote two thirds. 
Yes, the, yeah. the, the, the House says we want a trial. The Chief Justice is the presiding judicial officer, and then one side acts as the prosecution, the other side acts as the defense, argue, so, so-called defense, and you go from there. Okay. Well, I don't know what's going to end up happening, but Trump's lawyers are meeting uh, with Mueller's team next week, so... I don't know. We'll see how that goes. Uh, the, the The rumor is that somebody's going to fire Mueller on December 22nd. I don't know why they've picked that day, but that's what they're saying. Weekend before Christmas. Yeah. Weekend before Christmas. Friday is what's called the, the slow... slowest news day of the year. Well, Friday is always where you put the unpleasant information you don't want other people to know about. Uh, that's, the, that's what they call the Friday news dump. And you have mm-hmm. December 22nd, which is the weekend before Christmas. Congress is gone, and everyone's celebrating Christmas. So if you're going to do it that cares. day, yeah. that's the day they're going to do it. To hide it as, that would from be, as many that would people be, as they can. Yes. Uh, well, well, we'll talk more next week about the push to protect uh, Mueller from the White House. We have Jesse Egan back next week. He was such a giant hit uh, on uh, the last time. It was like the most downloads we ever had, so we're going to totally bring him back. Uh, please like us um, on uh, Mueller <laughs> She like Wrote. <laughs> Remember, Mueller She Wrote. Mueller She Wrote at <laughs> Facebook and also uh, at Mueller She Wrote on Twitter. Give us a follow. And, um, oh, very important, if you're listening to this, please subscribe to us on Podbean. That's how we get free stuff. I've been Jordan Coburn. I'm Jaleesa Johnson. Thanks, Uh, Jordan. I'm Jordan Parker. Thanks for having me. All right. I'm AG. We'll talk to you next week on Muller She Wrote. Hi, this is John Cryer, and I am hosting a new seven-part true crime podcast called Lawyers, Guns, and Money that'll challenge everything you think you know about U.S. covert operations and presidential misconduct. From Jack Bryan, the director of American PSYOP, comes the incredible true story of John Mattis, a newly sworn-in Miami public defender in the 1980s who has found himself completely in over his head. I step off the plane, and there is a van with a couple guys with Uzis. And one of them in broken English said, Welcome to Bogota, John. Mattis' first felony defendant has been arrested for having a machine gun and tells Mattis a dangerous secret. He was shipping arms into Central America on behalf of the CIA. As a first-time lawyer, I want to act like I know what I'm doing. But with the help of a Colombian drug smuggler... How much money the CIA raised by hitting up drug dealers? A lot of money, millions of dollars. An Alabama mercenary... They were prepared to die to the last man. I saw this in them. I saw the fire in their eyes. And they made me their war chief. And a newly elected senator, John Kerry. We are looking at allegations of drug running, gun smuggling, conspiracy to commit murder and murder itself. He'll fight to free his client. The judge said, show me in a courtroom how we were at war. Expose an illegal war being run by the White House. I mean, I wanted him involved, but I didn't want to be on record as doing it. And somehow stay alive in the process. I just escaped a kidnapping by the CIA in Costa Rica. This is Lawyers, Guns, and Money. So you have a man in Armani suit standing on the bow of a boat with a rocket launcher and says, if I lose sight of you, I will launch. You will be vaporized. Available everywhere starting October 29th, or get it ad-free and early starting October 22nd at lawyersgunsandmoney.supercast.com. There you'll find bonus episodes along with exclusive content. Subscribe now.